Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we've got a transformative episode. This is one that is going to change you because it's all about changing. We are going to be doing The Giver, which is kind of a transformative biomechanicalist suit uh, as our movie from 1991 and our TV show, is going to be cars that transform into other vehicles, not really other <laughs> things like Transformers, uh, but they, they still kind of transform. And that is going to be Mask. Mask! The TV <laughs> show that ran from 1985 to 1986. And we are going to recast our own live action version of Mask, which, honestly, I'm kind of surprised big budget studios haven't tried that yet. I know. Yeah, it, it, it was a pretty popular show, and it's it's a fairly cool concept to where, you know, they've done everything else from the 80s and 90s. Like, why hasn't Mask been a live-action show that they've tried? But I, I'm sure they will, and they're going to use our casting for it. I was just saying, it's because they're waiting for us, Adam. They're yeah, waiting that's it. for us. So we got some uh, things that kind of turn into other things or whatever in this episode. You know, 1991 was a very transformative year. Uh, isn't that the year that the Berlin Wall came down or is that 90 or is that 89? I don't even remember. Fuck it. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll tell us some other interesting facts that may or may not have happened in 1991. All right. So the Giver came out on March 18th of 1991. The uh, top 100 Billboard single of that week was Someday by Mariah Carey. Okay, I don't think I've ever heard that song in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I've heard it once, but I don't remember it, so. Yeah, I just kind of checked out the YouTube music video. I like it. You know, it's got a very good kind of R&B style to it. Uh, Mariah Carey looks freaking adorable in it, but... You know, yeah, not not one that I recognize, but it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I tell you what, though, Adam, looking at the entire list of the top 100 for that week, the first song that I could actually sing the words to or like, you know, I could recognize the song was number 18. <laughs> and, and that was going to make you sweat by CNC Music Factory. Here is the goal. Back with the bass, pajamas live in effect, and I don't waste time on the mic with a dope rhyme. Jump to the rhythm, jump, jump to the rhythm, jump. And I'm here to combine beats and lyrics to make you shake your pants, take a chance. Come on and dance, guys, grab a girl, don't wait, make the twirl. It's your world, and I'm just a squirrel. Trying to get a nut to move your butt to the dance floor. So, yo, what's up? That's a good fucking song, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'd call it a good song, but it's it's a fun song. It's a fun song. Uh, Also in 1991, at the Super Bowl that year, that was when we made the switch from having just marching bands in the halftime show to pop acts. Uh. And that was with the act New Kids on the Block. And now, to honor our armed forces children, Coca-Cola proudly presents the New Kids on the Block. Oh, wow. What a one. What a way to start that, man. 
Uh, that was really, truly the right stuff that they did right there. <laughs> I can't tell if that laugh is fake or not, John, but I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know any more of the names of their songs to be able to continue that pun. Well, just, I mean, just just hang tough, and uh, you know, we'll get we'll get through this bit. How about that? Hang tough. You know. That one? Yeah, yeah, I got Hanging it. Hanging tough. All right, I fuck it. <laughs> Got any, got any more facts for us, John? Because I'm fucking... <laughs> You're dying out here. I'm dying out here, yeah. So this one might interest you because of what you have coming up. So Jason Alexander threatened to quit Seinfeld in the third season. And it was after a table read of The Pen, which featured only Jerry and Elaine. Ah, uh, so he was pretty pissed off that he was left out of an episode. <laughs> yeah, and apparently he pulled Larry David aside and said, if you write me out again, do it permanently. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, well, I love George. I think he is Seinfeld, obviously, being, you know, Larry David's character. And honestly, what a perfect segue. Thank you so much, John. Uh, I want to call out that I'm doing a separate podcast with my buddy Corey, who most of you probably have already heard from him on uh, our Mortal Kombat uh, commentary episode that I did with him, or... The episode of uh, The NeverEnding Story 2. We also had him on two separate episodes with me and John of RoboCop and Monster Squad. Yep. So he's he's a part of the podcast. Uh, I've got some more sequels that we'll be doing with him coming up down the line. Um, but he and I are doing a separate kind of nostalgia-based podcast. We're doing one all about Seinfeld. John is not a big fan of Seinfeld. <laughs> As, nope. as we kind of mentioned, if you've if you've listened to every one of our episodes, you know I will make a joke, uh, and particularly the one that I keep going back to is Cartwright, Cartwright, <laughs> and the name of the podcast that Corey and I have put out, and we should have uh, the first few episodes already out by the time this podcast airs. We have called it Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, uh, and it's me and Corey going through every single episode of of Seinfeld. Um, I know there are some other ones out there. There's some other good ones. Seincast is a really solid one. There's a whole bunch. But, you know, if you want to listen to me and Corey do it, you know, it's 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 us and our take. You know, we're kind of do it in a similar fashion to Blast From Our Past stuff where we break down kind of scene by scene. But anyway, I'm really excited about it. It's a lot of fun. You can find it on Stitcher, iTunes, I believe, Spotify, whatever, however you want to listen to it. I'm sure we'll have it up there. But anyway, it is called Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, uh, and that is me and Corey doing that one. So please go and find it. Besides that, I guess, you know, we can uh, transmorph our way into the Giver? Sure, John, please. <laughs> Do you have anything? Uh, No, you're the writer. It's morphin' time? I don't know. It's kind of like that. It was kind of, yeah. Oh, fuck it. All right, we're, get, we're getting into the Giver, people. <laughs> the Giver came out in 1991. This movie was directed by Stephen Wang. Great name. Uh, <laughs> he also he also directed the sequel to this movie, uh, which maybe Corey and I will get to eventually. I don't know. Um, and honestly, he really didn't direct much else. He is mainly a special effects and creature creator guy. He worked on Predator, Monster Squad, other films. This movie was also directed by Screaming Mad George, Interesting name. That's what. Yes. That's, that's their official name on IMDb and on the credits. Uh, Screaming Mad George is also a special effects person, and this is uh, his only directing credit. So really, we this movie was directed by two non-directors, both special effects slash creature creator people, and 
it shows. <laughs> <laughs> so. This movie was based on a Japanese manga. I was told that that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. Manga, not manga. Uh, whatever. Uh, and <laughs> Which was also by the, it had the same name, The Giver. And the movie stars Jack Armstrong as our Sean Barker, a.k.a. you know, eventually turns into The Giver. He has been on five different soap operas, John. Did you know that? <laughs> no, but that's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. I'm sure he's like had to die off on each one, but I, I noticed he was like on like Guiding Light, One Life to Live, Maybe As the World Turns. What's the, I can't remember what the NBC one, day, Days of Our Lives, and another one or two. And it's just like, okay. But he really hasn't done much else. I just noticed all the soap operas. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. Uh, this movie also stars Mark Hamill as Max Reed, the CIA guy. Vivian Wu plays Mizuki Sagawa. Uh, she was in... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, and lots of little stuff. She's had a lot of work, but it's nothing really that uh, stands out for me. Uh, Michael Berryman plays Lisker, who's kind of like the, not the main villain, but like the... He's the lead henchman? He's the, yeah, the lead, exactly, lead henchman. He's kind of the guy, that, he's the villain that gets the most screen time. Yeah. Um, but there's always like, you know, like the, there's always an old white guy who's really in charge and they have that with this one yeah but he michael berryman most people he's a very unique look to him oh yeah i reckon i mean i i saw him and i was like oh yeah i've seen him in a thousand things yeah he has been in a lot of stuff what most people might recognize him from is the hills have eyes and the hills have eyes part two he kind of plays the main person in that one very unique dude Mm -hmm. very unique look you know he's, he's kind of been around like that horror style yeah. For a while. And then uh, this film also stars David Gale as Fulton Balkus, who is the old white man who's like really the villain. Yeah. Of course, uh, or maybe not of course, but you know, anybody who is anybody who knows like the 70s and 80s recognized Jimmy Walker as one of the, the Hempstead, as one of the henchmen slash thugs. Uh, his name was MC Stryker. The only thing anybody ever knows Jimmy Walker from is good times. Dynamite. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that unfortunately, I don't think he really got much work after Good Times because he was only known for that and his comedy. But you know what? Watching this movie, I think he probably deservedly so wasn't in much <laughs> stuff because his acting, <laughs> not the best. Actually, most everybody's acting, not the, not the best. Yeah. Really, the only name on this was Mark Hamill. And, you know, this was in a very dark time in Mark Hamill's career. Like, you know, a dark time where it's like he really wasn't being cast for shit. Right. After Star Wars, the first, the original trilogy ended, there was nothing from Mark Hamill for years, for almost a decade, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was up until Batman the Animated Series, and he started getting some some voice work that he really started, like, kind of getting back into the limelight. But there was... There was a decade period time between Return of the Jedi to like, you know, that early mid 90s Batman the Animated Series where he kind of wasn't doing shit and he kind of had to do stuff that wasn't so high quality. And uh, the Giver is is, is in that lump, (laughs) if you will. Although kind of knowing sort of Mark Hamill and his love for Mark's love for comics and, and cartoons and animation, stuff like that. Uh, seeing him in a project like this actually isn't that surprising. Something based on a Japanese manga uh, does actually seem like it would be something he would do. Yeah, and, and you know, it just kind of builds to like the the nerd cred yeah. of Mark Hamill. Honestly. Exactly. So I want to speak about Mark Hamill and the way that they are obviously they marketing and using him yeah. right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> If you look at the pictures, you know, for The Giver or what John and I had to do is we had to buy the DVD for this because we couldn't find it 
anywhere on streaming. No. I couldn't find it. It was anywhere besides I couldn't even rent it on Amazon or rent it on YouTube or whatever. We both had to buy the DVD to watch this. And on the cover of the DVD, it says in big letters, Mark Hamill and then the Giver. And there's a picture of Mark Hamill's face. And then it's kind of like halfway transforms into the Giver's face. Please be clear on this. Mark Hamill is not the Giver. <laughs> not once in this entire film does he wear the Giver armor. Yeah. So they are only using his name and likeness to try and sell this movie, to try and like <laughs> catch people off guard. Uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to try and to try and say, oh, Mark Hamill, I know him, I like him. Oh, this is a cool looking suit. Mark Hamill wearing a cool suit. This has got to be awesome. He, this, that's not him. What the <laughs> fuck? Like that? It is a complete and boldface lie, and it really kind of pissed me off uh, seeing that. Yeah. Before we actually get into the movie, I want to ask you, you know, how do you remember how you found this movie? I remember seeing this movie uh, with our father. It was probably at. Uh, at his place, our parents have been divorced for many, many years since we were very young. And one of the times when we were with our father, I remember it must have been on TV. Yeah. Or maybe we rented it from Blockbuster or something. But I, I definitely remember it was we were with him when we saw it. Usually if it was science fiction related and we saw it, it was probably with our dad. Yeah, it's about that. I have a, so I have the same kind of memory. So let's assume that that's truth. But yeah, it was with dad. I have a feeling. I think it was on like TNT or something. Probably. Or maybe maybe it was on like one of the HBOs. You know, it went on a weekend or when he had it or something. But I that's how I remember seeing it for sure. Uh, was with him and with like probably with you and our sister. And and it was just like just uh, only a few times. I I will say I have not seen this movie probably since then. I want to say there's probably been one time I might have seen it where it might have come up on TV once, like in a late night sci-fi or something like that. And it was probably well over a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, it, easily a decade. For me, at least two decades, if, if not like 25 years, honestly. I will say, though, I was surprised at how much of this I actually remembered once yeah. I started watching it. <laughs> Yeah, me too. There are definitely uh, shots or just different lines or other stuff that I was like, oh, fuck yeah, okay. Uh, maybe I w wasn't that excited, but <laughs> I definitely was just like, oh yeah, I remember that. So, all right, let's get into the movie. We start off with a uh, word scroll, and we also get voiceover that is just reading the scroll. Um, and honestly, you don't usually get that. You yeah. either get one or the other. And so right now I'm thinking to myself, do they not think I can read? Like, what the... <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> or maybe because Mark Hamill's in it, they didn't want to do word scroll with like, you know, fun music or something. <laughs> right. Because Star Wars kind of already nailed that. Yeah. That would have probably made a lot more sense or just had some like, you know, interesting shots with the voiceover. But anyway, we have voiceover plus the words, you know, reading to it. Uh, and basically all you need to take from it is there's so there's such a thing as this bio armor called the Giver. There's these people that are like monster people. That's really all you need to know. Uh, and the, the bio armor, the Giver is gives people like enhanced abilities. And this doctor who was working on it, stole it and is, is trying to like get it out of the hands of this evil dude. Like that's about it. Yeah. Um, I do want to say the voice on the voiceover was really fucking lame. Yeah. I don't know who's a, it. It wasn't any of like the actors. They probably should have used Mark Hamill's voice. Right. That would have made the most sense, but they didn't. And yeah. so it was just this random dude and it, it didn't work. <laughs> Among the alien remains was found the unit, a bio-boosted alien armor. 
Worn by the aliens, it serves as an ordinary shield. If the wearer is human, it increases his natural powers a hundredfold. He becomes the Giver. But how to activate it remains a mystery. Dr. Tetsu Sagawa, a research scientist at Kronos, senses danger if this unit is activated by the Zoa Lord. Now the doctor has stolen it and is on the run. That's kind of where we pick up, where this doctor stole the Giver to try and get it out of this evil guy's hands. Um, and he runs into these thugs. Uh, we see Jimmy Walker's one of the thugs, and yeah, he is not a good thug, man. He's he's too comical. Well, I mean, I, I we all think of him as too comical, and he is. He's a comical guy. This movie, even right off the bat, you can tell there are tons of comical elements. Yeah. Like, they're trying to be silly, you know, kind of like pun humor there's some just slapsticky comedy in here uh they're they're trying to have that element it's not trying to be a serious action movie it's trying to be like a like a howard the duck yeah yeah um and there's probably going to be a lot more howard the duck <laughs> similarities and just how this <laughs> movie fucking like tanked or whatnot uh or just how i feel about it anyway <laughs> uh but all right let's let's keep going we see the doctor then mutates into some weird like fish monster but he can kind of he can talk while he's I, I, you know uh he so he there's these humans the thugs also uh can mutate mm-hmm. and so like there's just these some certain people who have been experimented on who can like change shape into these more powerful monstery kind of things and yeah we see that the the main villain guy lisker is his name the guy from the hills have eyes. He and the the doctor end up fighting, and Lisker crushes his head, uh, which is kind of funny. I thought <laughs> it kind of worked, but I, I I do want to say I immediately I liked the look of the monsters. I agree. I thought they the design, and this is where you can definitely tell where the directors came. You know, the background mm-hmm. the directors came from. There were small things that I didn't like, uh, like Jimmy Walker's monster. I thought his eyes were a little too close together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The eyes and they they. They needed to be more monstery. Yeah. It, to me, it looked like, you know, it, even though they were, you know, uh, animatronic or whatever, the rest of the monster looked really kind of good, almost like a big gremlin. Yeah. With just kind of big protruding lips, uh, maybe racisty lips, if, if you have to think about it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But the eyes were too close together and a little too human-esque. They needed to be a little bit more monster-esque, but yeah. Other than that, the designs actually looked pretty fun. Yeah, I do think they, they were fun. They do kind of like hold up. Yeah. And so like the the stylistic creature uh, part of the film, I give a, you know, A minus maybe <laughs> a strong, a strong, but that's a good A minus. Yeah, um, it's, it's a good it's good on that part. But yeah, the and the, but the movement, you can kind of tell they're just rubbery suits because they're just like humans in them. And like there's not the the people in them don't move particularly well. And we'll talk more about that when we get to some of the more fight scenes. Right. But if you're just if they're just standing there, they look badass. They look good standing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd say the, so, the thing the thing that really kind of took me out of the movie. And maybe this is just an odd thing. It's when Jimmy Walker started rapping. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, we get that, uh, get that a little a bit times. later. We get exactly it's a few times. Uh, we get that a little bit later, but like, well, he he kind of he always, especially when he's in when he's transformed into the monsters, he just always seems to be talking in rhyme. Yeah, yeah, he's not doing like real like solid rapping. He's just right. <laughs> it is it, it is it. I don't know. They they were trying too hard to be comical but also try and like be hip at the same time right and jimmy whopper walker is anything but hip <laughs> but i agree like every time he was doing like his quote-unquote rapping 
Uh, it just, it made me, it was cringe. Super cringe. Yep. Previously, the doctor hid this Giver. It's just kind of like, it looks like a little big disc kind of thing or something. With a little dome in the middle. Yeah, a little dome in the middle. And he hid it previously in this like separate lunchbox. Um, kind of like in this garbagey area to try and hide it from these guys, you know. When he gets his head crushed and dies, you know, they take his suitcase, uh, which stupidly they don't check for it then and there on site. Uh, Obviously, we set up that these thugs are fucking idiots pretty early. Yep. Uh, So anyway, the doctor is dead and then we get the opening credits and we just going to get, you know, just text on on black kind of thing. And we get some pretty pathetic music playing during these opening (laughs) credits. I'm not as excited as I as I feel I should be. You know, the score uh, overall, this is a blanket statement on the score. Blah. Yeah. They dove in a little bit too hard on the slapsticky comedy aspect with some of the score and sound effects, and then they also just didn't they didn't give us some of the excitement to really help with some of the fight scenes, to help with some of the excitement, like just the interesting stuff of here's this like almost alieny alieny looking bio armor that apparently is supposed to be bigger and more deadly than a fucking atom bomb they said (laughs) (laughs) that is that is what they said in this movie that the guyver what's that apparently it was some sort of uh, space armor i think i mean i don't know but your father described it as the most dangerous technology since the atom bomb Huh. Um, which I'm going to keep coming back to because that certainly is not the case <laughs> when we see it in action. But the music in in particular is just, it really, it really, really degrades from a movie that is already having degrading problems <laughs> from what I'm seeing. Uh, but we cut to Sean Baker at some Aikido practice. Uh, and so he's a martial artist. We immediately see his love interest, Mizki, watching, and I guess they're friends or whatever. I, I really am not sure. Maybe she's also in the class or something. I'm not sure why she's there. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of see Mark Hamill walks in, uh, Max Reed, the CIA guy. We find out that Mizki is the doctor's daughter who just recently died. Uh, and Max Reed was working with the doctor. That's who the doctor uh, was trying to get the Giver to for like protection. I want to complain about something, and maybe this is this is a dumb thing to complain about. First thing he says is when he comes in, he's like Max Reed, CIA, and then later they refer to him as detective. Uh, yeah. CIA people are not called detectives; they're called agents. Yes, I, I, this was definitely something I was going to be bringing up as well. But uh, thank you for just going ahead and stating it. Uh, they I, they were very off with with Mark Hamill's direction on this on, yeah. on his character and just Max Reed's character in general because yeah he's supposed to be in the CIA and you can tell he knows these other CIA guys but he plays it like he's a like a beat detective like yeah. he's like you know almost a noir style you know uh, kind of you know big trench coaty you know, detective, like he's trying to, you know, figure like this shit out, but like, that's not CIA. That's right. not CIA at all. It, we'll see. And even with his relationship with the other, the other guys that we'll meet uh, in a little bit, it would have made more sense. I think if he was a beat detective and they were yes. CIA, cause they're constantly clashing the whole time. And 
And yeah. that's a common trope to see in movies where the local guys are constantly are, are clashing with the federal guys. That would have made more sense than just to make him yeah. a CIA agent that was just not getting along with his coworkers, essentially. Yep, I agree. Yeah, so there are definitely issues with uh, the writing and the direction of however the hell they wanted to go with that character. So, yeah. But he tells Miski that her dad is dead and she's obviously upset. I want to bring up there's this really this asshole bully at Aikido. And it really doesn't make any fucking sense to me why this one dude is just bullying Sean the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like, it just it's just kind of weird. I mean, it does end up coming back. I had, I had a fear when I was watching this scene that the, we weren't ever going to see the bully again. <laughs> and I was like, well, that, that's going to be worthless. But still, I mean, it's not like it wrapped up all that well. But it was still just like, wait, he's in this, they're in this martial arts thing. And like, you know, respect and discipline are important aspects of like any martial art. And the dojo master is just like kind of allowing this guy to be a bully. Yeah. And I'm like, what What the fuck is going on? This, that's not, this is not a good dojo. Well, and um, Sean, the, our main character, he kind of just pushed him back too. Like they're doing a drill and he's not paying attention because he's worried about Miski. Miski, yeah. Miski. He's worried about Miski and he gets hit and then he just attacks the bully. So <laughs> part of this is on Sean. Yeah, yeah. Sean's anger, they do, which they do kind of bring up, is like you know you got to watch your anger, buddy. And that's that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's not a good student either of uh, Aikido, apparently. No. Anyway, Miski is upset and she leaves, and Sean goes after her, uh, and then we get one of the worst wipes I've ever seen in film history, which we get this wipe multiple times. I will bring it up each fucking time I see it pretty much. So yeah, he's going after her and we get like this, it's like a slash wipe. It kind of like, you get like this, you know, cut between from the corner of the screen and there's this musical cue that goes with it. And it is just so bad. Do you rem- do you remember this wipe, John? Because they used it all the time. I just say I do, but I I thought I only remembered it sort of only happening towards the beginning of the film. Yeah, they did kind of stop it, and then not seeing it again. Yeah, yeah, it was like the first half of the movie they used it way too much, uh, and then they just like stopped. It, it's honestly this is where having the two directors seems to have this is where it seems apparent. Because mm. this section here and then the section when the bully does come back seem like they're going for a different style than the other parts of the movie. Like, it seems like here they're trying to make it look like a manga or look like a Japanese anime. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't happen later. <laughs> no, and then the rest is like you get a lot of just, you know, American slapsticky joke shit. And, and even just like with the feel and look of it. Yeah, it's not good. No, it's not. It's not <laughs> It's not good. Yeah. Final thoughts already, John, because we're done talking about this. No, uh, we'll keep going. We'll power through. Um, But yeah, so it's it's a terrible fucking... It's like... It's it's almost like to the extent of a page peel. You know, when you see like that digital Mm -hmm. page like wiped. It's it's very similar to that. And the music cue just heightens how shitty that that cut was. And me being an editor just... It makes me cringe really bad. And, you know, sometimes that kind of stuff can be effective. Because, you know, if you've seen Star Wars... Star Wars uses wipes and like little like, you know, circle uh, wipes like all the time, you know, mm-hmm. going into a one specific spot like and it works. Yeah. You know, there, there's a there's a style like elastic element with it that works for that here. It just seems really bad. And yeah. I think the music that. Well, and especially because they hadn't really established that style of yeah. wipe until we get to this spot. 
Yeah, exactly. Anyway, all right. So we're at this place called Kronos Corporation. Uh, we meet the old white guy. You know, the villains in these movies are always an old white guy. Yep. You know, who he's the money and he's like the brains behind whatever operations going on. Uh, and Lisker delivers the case with, quote unquote, the Giver in it. And there is no Giver in it. I want to call out the acting from both Lisker and particularly Fulton, the main, like the old white guy is so bad in this <laughs> part. Like he's so, his, his anger, like when he's mad at, at Lisker for, you know, not, not checking the case and there's nothing in there. Yeah. Is just exquisite, if you will. <laughs> what is this? Some sort of masochistic joke? <laughs> It's so bad, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is really <laughs> fucking, it's exquisitely bad. Yeah, sure. And uh, we find, kind of find out that the, the main villain has like this third eye that kind of pops out. So he's also a monster to some extent. Uh-huh. And he's got these mental powers because he makes, he makes Lisker slap himself and like beat himself up. <laughs> and it's a fairly comical scene, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, And then we get another slash wipe. And we're at the crime scene who Sean apparently followed Miski there. Max Reed uh, is there as well, you know, taking her to the crime scene, which I I don't know if that is really the case that they do. I don't take the the family to. Hey, do you want to see where your dad's head got crushed? in? (laughs) That's probably not. No. The case. Only if they would need to immediately identify the body, but there was nothing to identify. As soon as uh, as soon as his head got crushed in, he basically melted away. Yeah, he melted away. You do see like a skeleton at some point, but like I don't. I'm sorry, John. I love you, but I don't know what your skeleton looks like. <laughs> I can't pick you out of a crowd right. of skeletons. Exactly. So I don't. It doesn't. I don't think it makes sense to to get, take her there. But uh, we meet the couple other CIA guys here, the ones that you talked about previously. I do want to call out one of them. One of them's played by Willard. Pug, Pug, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. He, uh, He's the black guy, and he was someone that I recognized. He he plays the mayor in RoboCop 2, uh, which I thought okay. was just kind of funny. I mean, you know, he hasn't really done too much, but uh, right. I saw that. I, saw, I was like, oh, shit, that guy. And uh, we then we get another fucking awful wipe. Uh, again, as, as you mentioned, like, this is really only in this first half of this movie, but, you know, I'm going to call out each goddamn wipe. <laughs> It just it 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 hurt me, and so I want everyone who listens to us to feel the pain of this bad wipe. Sean eventually he goes to see Mizki, and we see Max Reed is in. You know he's he's in there just doing his detective stuff, talking to her, and Sean kind of gets the wrong idea. Uh, somewhat of a funny little thing. Mizki has her mirror perfectly placed to show <laughs> Sean or to show Max behind a door, uh-huh. which even Max kind of calls out. It's a lousy place for a mirror. Uh, there's really nothing to it other than Sean likes Miski and he, you know, he wants to, he wants to get some, uh, and <laughs> he thinks, he thinks, you know, she's into Max, but whatever. Now we wipe to the thugs are looking for the Giver in, in that area, uh, where we were before. And here we get Jimmy Walker as his human form. He does his first awful rap. <laughs> Oh, mama, why you want to be so crude? You must think of me as one rude dude. But you do run with the sugar and spice, so why don't you just act real nice? 
and as you call it out, yeah, it's just like a weird talking thing. It, it, it there's also that, that other side guy who like the big white dude, like the Russian-y kind of guy, yeah. who's kind of like one of the other thugs. He has got to be my least favorite. Like he also his monster was weird too. He was like the almost like the anteater monster with the weird nose. I took it more to be an elephant because every yeah. every so often they would make elephant noises. Oh yeah, yeah, he's more elephant, but the trunk wasn't long enough. He had like a little tiny trunk. Well, if it was a big trunk, then that would be more money that they would have to spend for yeah. effects. So <laughs> probably, they just made probably. it a smaller one. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh but yeah, he's more elephanty. Jimmy Walker's kind of like the gremlin-y bat-looking kind of one. But uh, yeah, that that rap just oh, it really took me more out of the movie. <laughs> the movie that I was already out of since the first fucking line where we saw the scroll and someone reading the scroll to me, and I was just like, wow, this is this is not going to be good. Uh, this this has taken me out even more. Yeah. <laughs> this rap. So uh, now we get another shitty wipe, and Sean is having scooter trouble. <laughs> And he's in this uh, alley. I don't know why he's in the alley. I don't know why he's having scooter trouble. He, we're just we're just there. I mean, <laughs> maybe we cut the scene or something, but yeah, we're just there. And now we get some terrible acting from like group of four white guys and like this one kind of like Asian dude, and they're all culturally appropriating a Mexican gang. Yeah, and it is very fucking weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they're all you know they're dressed up you know kind of like that you know you button your top. Uh, kind of flannelly kind of shirts and you leave the rest open with like a white shirt right and like it kind of bandanas you know they're definitely appropriating like a mexican gang or hispanic gang of some type and one of them we see is the bully from before yeah uh, and we get s- these obvious attempts at humor um at this point you know just just the way that they're like talking and the way that they're even kind of like you know fighting or whatever right is just very rough comedy. <laughs> I, I, I see what they're trying for. I really do. I just don't think it's working right now. <laughs> they're just failing miserably at it. Yeah, they are. They really are trying to really do that Howard the Duck mix of comedy and action, and it's just not working. Which I don't understand how they didn't realize it didn't work in Howard the Duck. Yeah. Which was like yeah. six or seven years ago or before this. Obviously, that one tanked. Why would you try it again? Yeah. Uh, so they beat up Sean. Uh, the Giver ends up coming out. He ends up kind of like falling, face planting or whatever on the Giver disc. Uh, and it gets activated. And it ends up kind of like covering his body. And we see the Giver suit. And we kind of get like a, the Giver theme music. The thing that kind of upsets me with a lot of like the shitty comedy is I like much like the with the monsters. I like the suit of the Giver. Oh, yeah. I think it looks cool. It does. It looks It looks like it's a bio armor. Like it, yeah. and it looks cool. It looks alien. It's pretty badass. It's got like, you know, these little spikes that kind of come out of it. Yeah. Like it, it's solid. And they could have made this a cool action badass movie, which why I think, you know, down the line, John, maybe we recast this because I think this is something that, you know, we should have a remake of the Giver more recently and it'd be a more fun thing, which yeah. I know that they've they've done like some real uh, some animes and stuff yeah. with this. Um, and they even had a sequel, which I have never seen the sequel. And I'm I curious to watch it maybe eventually <laughs> and just to see how bad it is. But I'm really pleased by the look of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So that just kind of like, it pulls me out even more because it's like, they could make this so f- fun and badass and, and have like this really cool 
martial arts movie, but you're wearing this bio suit. I mean, it's it, it is very very reminiscent to me of Power Rangers. Yeah, the look and like the style of a lot of the stuff, but make it more badass. And you could do that, but because of the route that they take, I'm I'm just getting more and more upset as I'm watching the movie. <laughs> uh, so the Giver beats up the culturally appropriating gang members. The fighting is not good. The gang obviously were really not that great of fighters. Even even the guy who was shown to be a decent martial artist before like nobody's fighting all that well and unfortunately i think because of like the rubber suits Mm -hmm. you don't get good motion out of the guyver all that much like he's not that great of a fighter for me here's the thing it's got to me it's got to be the person in the suit it just doesn't quite know how to do it because Mm -hmm. think of it this way to me it looked like the suit was probably made similar to what they made the suits from for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which had just come out the year before. Those were some pretty awesome fight scenes in the suit, which means you can do it. So I I think they just didn't have someone who really knew how to make the suit look good. Very true on that one. I think you're right. I think there are some other elements that hurt this movie's fight scenes, which I'll probably, I'll just reiterate each time that, you know, (laughs) with every fight scene. Partly it's the suit, but I think it's also partly the music Mm. is really weak and it doesn't help it. Also, the editing is really weak. And with those kind of suits, you have to have some quick edits where you don't see a lot of the motion. Like you make cuts uh, and get different camera angles to try and speed up the kicking, speed up the punching and make it seem um, more effective and put them some sound effects, you know, of blocks or whatever. Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles had some solid editing and particularly had some really good music, you know, like that just kind of helped drive some of those scenes as well as, you know, very good voice acting. Right. um, That also helped it. This movie has none of that other than the cool suits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it hurts. And the the voices, I don't like the voices right here. you, You hear even hear Sean talk through the Giver suit and he did just kind of have like a like a mechanical ish sound to his voice. Right. He doesn't have a good voice. No. You're going down. No. He is not badass. And <laughs> so I wish they had like a you know more of like a badass voice coming out of the Giver and instead it's just like a Hi, I'm Sean. And it, it's like <laughs> I'm the Giver. I am the Giver. Uh, and it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody needs to get uh, James Earl Jones up in this pitch. Yeah, hell yes, that would do it. Or maybe Keith David. I would like uh, that. Yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah, we'll figure out. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and do our own casting of the guy. <laughs> uh, we'll save that for another time. This time we're going to cast Mask, and it's going to be awesome. Yep. All right, Sean eventually kind of gets the armor off of him, but it really, we see it, it kind of retracts into his body, uh, which is kind of creepy looking shot, but yeah. <laughs> it's still cool. It's almost like, uh, I don't know, you know, Witchblade? You've seen that that uh, anime or anything like that? I've no, I've actually haven't seen it. Okay, well, it's kind of it's almost like a or at least or like Tony Stark, you know, where he's got okay. like these nanobots, like almost like a liquid metal that kind of comes out onto him or stuff like that. Right. Um. This except for this is more of a bio vines and yeah, coming out of his body. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, but it, it looks cool. We uh, will get take us back to Mizki's place. Sean goes back there and uh, Mizki tells him about her father and, you know, his death. The I believe someone comes in the door and I believe it was the Aikido instructor comes into the apartment. You know, there was there was another female that comes into the apartment and I think it was the same person who was the Aikido instructor. I remember the person coming in, but I didn't make the connection. Okay, well, I mean, the person knew Sean, knew Mizki, and I think it was her, but uh, Sean leaves to go get food, and when he comes back, Mizki has been kidnapped by the thugs, and the Aikido master is laying dead in the middle of the apartment, and we also happen to see 
Max Reed shows up uh, at the same kind of time that Sean gets back, and the thugs haven't left yet at this point. They just kind of have her in the back of a van, and they're trying to, I guess, get going. It just makes me think these thugs are really pathetic. Yeah. They couldn't kidnap her very quickly and get her out of there. Yeah. Uh, They're just bad. Yeah. And so now there's a chase scene because, you know, Max and Sean grab Miski from the did you uh, uh, did you mention the girl thug? No, I haven't mentioned the girl thug yet. But yeah, I mean, she's she's with Lisker. But yeah, I mean, go ahead. Tell us tell us about the girl thug, John. I recognized her. Really? Where where I, I checked her credits and I didn't I didn't recognize her personally, but I recognized her as JD's neighbor Donna from Scrubs. I don't even remember. I've seen every episode of Scrubs multiple times, and I don't even remember when he's living in the tent next to the house at the in, in his half acre. Yeah, in his half acre, he's got those two neighbors. Uh, One of them's a redhead yes. lady named Donna. That's the same woman. Oh shit! Okay, all right. I'm gonna have to. I'll have to check that. <laughs> okay, because I, mean, I remember. I remember his neighbors like you know don't like that he's out there just without a house. Yes. One of my favorite scenes in the show, and this is completely a, a detraction from what we're talking about, is <laughs> JD. They're complaining to JD about how, you know his tent, and he goes, "Well, it's not easy to sleep when you guys having sex like a baboon." And he and the guy turns to his wife and goes, "I was out of town last night." Ah, uh, okay, yeah, I, I remember the, exactly that line. And then she and then she strangles JD. Okay, so but I, that's who I, I recognized her immediately, and I double checked, and that is her. Okay, cool. Well, uh, she plays another villain here who also can turn into a monster, which we'll see later. She's, she was probably my favorite of the thugs. Besides, I, I kind of liked, well, I didn't like the acting of Lisker. I liked the look of Lisker, uh-huh. uh, the main thug. But, like, she was also very comical and strange. But Right. But, okay. <laughs> JD's neighbor in Scrubs. Cool. <laughs> There's now, like, a chase scene because they, Sean and Max grabbed... Uh, Misky and her, you know, trying to take her back. And here we see Jimmy Walker mutating into uh, uh, his bat-faced kind of monsters. This is his first mutation that we see. He runs. He's uh, saying, like, basically, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to capture these guys, you know, in my monster form. And he runs and jumps a wall. And we see this woman screaming. And she's holding the scream forever. Uh, and then just, you know, it's just another comical kind of moment. He apparently jumped into a movie set uh, that happens to be about a scary monster. Mm-hmm. And he jumped at right the time. And, you know, I don't know. It's I, I thought it was cheesy. I hated it. I hated that joke. It didn't land for me. Yeah. The girl that he jumps in front of, she's just credited as Scream Queen. Okay. <laughs> okay. And she is actually in a bunch of 80s horror films. Which makes sense because one of the producers, uh, his name was Brian Yuzna. Mm-hmm. He produced multiple different like horror movies, and particularly he is best known for the Reanimator. Well, that makes sense because two of the actors in the movie were in the Reanimator. Yeah, the, yeah, two exactly two of the actors. The uh, main Fulton guy, uh, main bad guy, he was like the head that kind of gets re brought back to life or whatever in the in the reanimator and right one of the other doctors was like the main doctor guy in or whatever in the reanimator so but yeah also uh the director in that scene was actually the special effects supervisor 
Oh, okay. In the Giver. Okay. So they just used him as opposed to, you know, spending the money to hire someone else. Right, right. <laughs> he just said, hey, special effects supervisor, get in there and be this <laughs> director, which he was not a good actor uh, as the director, but whatever. You know, it's a comical scene. I have to say, I've often found that people who act as directors in scenes like this where you're seeing a movie being made often aren't the best actors. No, they are probably not. I think maybe because they're mostly they're just trying to make fun of the directors all the time and <laughs> they don't want you don't they don't want to have a good actor right but uh yeah i think and i think the budget was probably used up on the on the special effects and so <laughs> every, everything everything was put into the special effects and so that's why they're like all right hey uh special effects team how about you direct this movie uh and then how about you be the other guys start <laughs> acting in this movie right uh, and so that that makes that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now now all of the bad guys have changed into their monster forms, and so we see like yeah, the elephant one, we see the bat faced one, we see kind of like the I don't know, not really a rhino, but like the main bad guy, right? Whatever he is, and then like the female is I don't I don't even know. She's very hairy. She's got red hair, except her monster boobs. Uh, oh my gosh, are out on display. It looks so bad. Oh, it's so bad. Like, I mean, was that their attempt is we got to be able to tell that she's the woman? I guess so. And that it was so unnecessary. Just like, yeah. keep covering it all in hair. It just didn't make any fucking sense. It looked, it really was unnecessary. It was gratuitous. Yeah. In the worst possible way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we could all tell from her voice um, and, and also from the fact that we saw the others transform. And so, right, oh, exactly. the other one that we haven't seen has to be, oh, there's also red hair on this lady. Must be the red hair from this monster. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to show you monster boobs. And so you got them <laughs> if, you, if you wanted it. But yeah, I mean, in, in general, though, as we mentioned before, all the monster suits look pretty good other than monster boobs aside. Uh, everything else looked pretty solid. Yeah. We see Max shoots Jimmy Walker at some point. Yeah. Uh, as he kind of like jumps at him, which doesn't end up really hurting him all that much. Right. But it just kind of stops him for a little bit. And uh, Max kind of gets beaten up by the female one and the main guy, Lisker. Uh, and they, the monsters have now grabbed the girl. The two CIA guys come and kind of in a twist, they're also on this monster team, which we didn't <laughs> know before. Yeah. So now the, you know, now we know like these monsters and this, whatever this corporation is kind of like, you know, infiltrated CIA and other stuff as well. Right. Which I kind of like the way that, you know, these guys and then also the doctors, like the lab people do later, like their transformation, you don't see them transform. Right. Uh, what they kind of do is they walk behind something that blocks them. And then you see like just all these clothes kind of tearing and like kind of being fanned, you know, away from them. And then the monsters walk out. Yeah. And I think that honestly, I kind of like that. It kind of works. Right. Just, you know, the way the way that they just kind of walk, you know, in front of like, you know, some computers or whatever. And you just see all these shreds of clothes behind them uh, and it's kind of like flashing lights. Yeah. And then out come the cool. look. Mo- well, Almost cool monsters. Well, All of the other side monsters looked weird to me. Yeah. Not as cool. Yeah. The, obviously, they put the most design into the main ones. Uh, I also, mm-hmm. I think it helps because we already saw, you know, we saw the doctor transform in the beginning and I think kind of, mm-hmm. kind of the main guy. So we've already seen the transformations. We don't need to see that every other time. Agreed. So using that method is just a quick way of, okay, just a couple seconds back there and just move. That's That was fine. That was all we needed. We got the idea. Plus, I'm sure it was a great way to save money. <laughs> Yeah, yes, you got to do it. Now with all these monsters, you know, they've got they've got Max, they've got Mizki, 
and Sean's anger builds out, and so or his anger is building, and so this is how the Giver comes out. I guess it's like his increased heart rate or something. It's almost like I guess the Hulk once he once he gets a <laughs> certain uh, beat per minute or <laughs> no, that, sorry, that's music, but yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> you're, uh, you're thinking about heart rate. Yeah, once he gets his like heart rate up or something or builds his anger or something, then the Giver suit comes out and he says a cheesy line. I am the Giver. I am the Giver. And that line is definitely part of one of those things that we talked about that I remembered. Yes, yeah. This Is this a scene where, uh, like, it all shoots out of him? Yeah, yes. So did it look really sort of stop-motion animation-y? Yes, because you even see, when he says, I am the Giver, it looks very stop-motion, even the way he, he mouthed it. Because it's a miniature. <laughs> okay. It's not him, it's a miniature. That okay, that's why, yeah, because it didn't it didn't look natural the way that he spoke. No, nope. and so I was like, okay, they must have just like changed the that I thought they just changed the time um, signature or not signature, but the the time the frame rate or something in post to just kind of add a stylistic element. But no, interesting. Yeah, so it wasn't him. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that that fooled me. That's cool. <laughs> On the DVD, um, there was a, an interview with the producer. And he was talking. You spent about the time to watch extra stuff about this movie, John. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> that, that's that's my job in this, all right? You yeah. you lead us through, and it's my okay. job to find unusual shit. Well done, well done. We get here. We get another really bad rap from Jimmy Walker's monster. Hit uh-huh. Him when he's actually in the monster suit. I've been looking high, I've been looking low for the guiding, jiving thing to show. And now this punk's become a hunk, but all along he's had the song. Well, let me just tell you one thing. I'm gonna boot that thing with the guiding thing. I'm going to make you crawl and gonna make you sing. Cause I want that guiding, jiving thing. Boy. It's shitty. Uh, and he goes to attack the Giver, and Giver beats him up pretty fucking quickly. And I, I mentioned it before, but yeah, the fighting in this movie is so fucking bad. The editing isn't fast enough. Mm-hmm. To help with them who can't move fast enough in their suits, you have to edit quicker. You know, you have to get enough coverage so you can get really tight shots to make things go faster. And the music sucks, and <laughs> ugh, it hurts. Uh, and I'll try, to, I'll try and stop bringing that up, because we've got some more okay. fight scenes coming up. And See, I, and these, are, just, these are just things that we'll know... When they call us yeah. to produce and direct the movie, yeah. the remake of this movie, okay, maybe we can get Mark Hamill to help produce it. Maybe he'd want to he'd want to sort of give it another go. Give it another go. Let him be uh, the main the main villain. villain. This time. Yeah, think, that'd yeah, be great. That would, that would work. We can't we can't cast this now if we're going to recast it later though. Yeah, yeah, we'll wait. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> okay, let's wait. So yeah, and, and as I mentioned. Uh, yeah, they said they said this was a bigger weapon than the atom bomb, and really all we ever see this thing do is it, it's a suit that knows kung fu. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's about it, with some spikes out of its elbows. Uh-huh. Head. <laughs> that's about it. But you know, maybe we'll, we'll actually we will find something later. But uh, anyway, we see the the boss Lisker kind of his his monster gets into the fight, and finally we get a yeah, somewhat better fight choreography at least. Uh, when once that monster comes in for mm-hmm. the fighting, Lisker finds a weakness from like a headbutt, uh, and it's the ball. The Giver has this ball in the center of his head that was like you know I guess originally pushed to activate it. And if Lisker monster who has like this big horn in the middle of his head or kind of like a bony structure, yeah, he uh, goes and knocks it really hard. What a shitty place to have a weak point. Yeah, it really is. It's pretty sad. Like right in the middle of your forehead that is. Obviously, it's impossible to hide. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as he, as they're kind of fighting in his anger, uh, you know, the 
female monster has, is holding Mizki, uh, and in his anger, he snickets out his one of his elbow knives, and he slashes the female monster, uh, and also slashes Mizki uh, along with it. I didn't get the sense that he actually slashed her. I thought she just got sprayed with blood, and it looked like he slashed her. Maybe, and maybe she just fainted. I mean, she seems fine. Yeah, but we don't we don't really know. We yeah. don't really find you know Max who comes and gets her. Uh, doesn't say like, okay, oh, you're fine, or oh, you weren't hit, or oh, you just fainted. Right. We just see. It just seems like he slashed her along with slicing up the female monster, which he did. He he killed her pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, he's really distraught, obviously, from thinking he killed his girlfriend or almost girlfriend, and Lisker uses that to his advantage, and he rips out the ball from. Uh, the Giver's forehead, which this is a scene I definitely remember. Oh, yeah, I remember that. The the ripping out, and there's kind of like, you know, stringy guts or something that are like attached to the yeah. ball that you see that get pulled with it. Like sinew or something. Yeah, uh, and it gets, uh, and the my, and, and the Giver just kind of melts away into nothing. He really much, he, he looks, I mean, similar to how the monster guy melted, but to me it kind of looks like the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, you know, yeah. How, you know, he kind of melts. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> Pretty much how the Giver melts away. And the monsters take Mizki to the creepy old guy whose name is Fulton. And we see at this point, Mizki was changed into different clothes. She is no longer wearing the clothes that she had before. And instead, she's wearing like one of the old guy's shirts. Uh-huh. And he's being very creepy to her at this moment, which to me, it's kind of a disturbing thought of what the fuck was he doing while she was unconscious. Yep. This is very disturbing. Like he was kind of like, you know, kind of like petting and stroking her when when this we just first cut to the scene. Yeah. And and knowing that she was given different clothes, you know, obviously they disrobed her. So it just it, it does at least it heightens his creepiness and his evilness actually in a in a strong writing style where you have to insinuate what happened right. as opposed to them just telling us right uh which is so so there's there's one check for the writing of this film i am <laughs> trying <laughs> but uh fulton shows her like these humanoid monsters that he's growing tells her that you know you know originally humans were brought to earth or were created from aliens to be biological weapons and that vampires and werewolves are kind of like the next evolutionary step in those weapons. And I kind of like that. I think that is a very interesting storyline that I would have rather liked to go more in depth with. Mm-hmm. So Mizki is taken to the lab with these other doctors and they're they're just kind of they're creepy fucking doctors, which makes me wonder what the, you know, Mizki's dad was like, you know, cuz he had to work with these dudes and so was he really creepy like them? Most most of the time until he finally snapped and like right. became normal or, or was he this poor tortured dude who had to work with these creepy fucking guys the entire time yeah so i guess the one who uh, is introduced as the head guy they call him i think they call him dr dr east yeah that's right so that's a guy named jeffrey combs actually jeffrey combs played a character named dr west in the reanimator oh shit i, I appreciate that that's cool he, I think he was the lead guy in the Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. All right, that's cool. I like. You know what? Props to that writing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I approve. More people will know him as a brilliant character and makeup actor on a couple of different Star Trek series. Um, he was. He mm. played heavily in Deep Space Nine, and I think a little bit in Voyager. Maybe even one episode of, of Next Generation. Often, usually playing aliens. So he did a lot of heavy makeup work, but okay. he's he played a, a sort of a main villain in one of the se- uh, seasons of Deep Space Nine. These sort okay. of benevolent nice. guys. So he's 
uh, he's actually pretty well known in science fiction circles. You know, not surprised they use you know people who are good at special effects. Right. <laughs> One thing that they do bring up is that they think the Giver is growing, and they they kind of call out they think it's cloning itself into a new Giver unit. Mm-hmm. They show Max is kind of in one of the you know their little chambers, and they're trying to mutate him into, you know, another one of these weird monsters. And at this point, Mizki pulls a good move and kicks the old man in the balls <laughs> and, and grabs the Giver ball and runs away and is trying, you know, is running through the lab. And we see that the scientists turn into monsters too, which makes sense because we saw the doctor change earlier at the beginning. So, like, yeah. obviously these guys mutated themselves at some point. Yeah. And Miski destroy or threatens to destroy the ball, uh, kind of when they catch up to her in a very just more shitty comical scene. Like you know, she's going to throw it, but the ball has kind of like is kind of like growing like almost around her hand, mm. and it won't and it won't drop. It ends up kind of getting accidentally thrown into one of the monsters who like swallows it, and then it's growing and growing, and it ends up cutting itself. You see like a one of the elbow <laughs> knives slicing out of the monster. And you even get like, you even get the Jaws music. Yeah, going. you do. You do. Because it, it it's was, like, it looks it like was a so great. Fin. It was so great. It was something. <laughs> it sure was something. <laughs> that was the only scene in, I think, the whole movie that actually made my wife laugh out loud. Uh, yeah. And it, yeah. it was because of how bad it was. It was, exactly. It's definitely in that vein. Uh, and apparently he is, you know, the Giver has cloned himself and he's he's back at it. The Giver and Miski end up rescuing Max. Uh, there's a fight scene. Surprise, surprise, it's bad, you know, as they're trying to escape. This I, I want to call it just one of these jokes that didn't didn't make any fucking sense to me. Miski grabs at one point a microscope and smashes a microscope over the head of one of the monsters that you know was attacking Max. Uh-huh. Max says, "Nice work," and she replies, "I'm just doing my job." No, it was obviously meant for like it was supposed to be a joke, but it's like no, I don't even know what your job is. Right. You know, right. if you were a scientist, that might make sense. You know, or if you were a research assistant or something like. No, this isn't your job. Right. Like that's not a funny joke. Like that that line makes zero sense because I was given no context as to why this is quote unquote your job. No, you you just you just helped him. I don't know. It's a minor thing for me to bitch about, <laughs> but the writing the writing didn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Um it it was painful. At this point, we see kind of uh Fulton kind of with his third eye bulging kind of through a window as Max is mutating. Max, he's kind of like telepathically fueling the mutation within Max, I think. Right. And uh, so we see we see Max so Mark Hamill's mutating into some weird grasshopper cockroachy thing. Thing. Yeah, it's really fucking weird. I definitely remembered this scene. Yeah, it looked really creepy. And Max dies from the mutation. You know, I guess yeah. partly because he wasn't he wasn't given the full time to to science or whatever in the chamber. Right. Uh, and so so Fulton is kind of like you know pushing it, and it, he looks really creepy and <laughs> looks cheesy. And so we're, now we're getting into like the final boss battle basically and Fulton turns into he fully mutates into like I don't know this weird thing that has like a deer head almost like a demon and like a lizard all mixed up into one or something yeah it's, it's a huge monster yeah we get this fight more shitty music more shitty fighting to at the the very like you know the pinnacle the end of or the end of this fight scene you know he's 
the Giver is being trapped down and you think he's going to die. And then finally, like the suit, the suit finally does something really cool and shows off that it is pretty powerful. And like the chest kind of opens up and we get like this big energy blast right. that ends up shooting Fulton off of him, which kills Fulton. Um, and it finally, finally shows that, okay, all right, maybe this suit is a powerful weapon. It's not just a Kung Fu <laughs> uh, right. suit. Right. So, so that I, I approve of that. The Giver turns back into Sean and kind of goes back into him, who now, of course, he's naked, uh, doesn't have any clothes on because he was just cloned out of nothing. Right. So, I mean, he's not even really the same guy, but I guess he is because he's cloned. But you right. know, is that the same person, John? What, what are the ethics <laughs> and what is what is the philosophy of, you know, okay, so say you have an axe, John, uh-huh. and the head of the axe breaks and you replace it. And then, you know, another year later, the handle breaks and you replace the handle. Is that the same axe that you bought before? Because you replaced it down the line. But, you know, it was at some point all of that one axe. Technically, no. Is this Sean? Is this still Sean? This is actually the philosophical discussion um, as to why transporters wouldn't work. Because basically you're atomizing someone and then re-atomizing them later, basically cloning them. And while it would be someone who would have the same memories as the person before, the question is, is it the same person? Or did you just, Mm -hmm. you know, basically every time someone gets transported, are they being killed and a new person created? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so every time we watch Star Trek, we are seeing... Just murder. The, the entire crew murder is murdered into different atoms. They're item. They're atomized and then re-put. They're, they're put back together with a cloned version of themselves. So they are just. You know, we're seeing. We could see, be seeing like just piles of piles of atomized Spocks and uh, Shatners out there. <laughs> so makes sense. But yeah. Anyway, there's another cop call, and he's naked. Uh, Miski looks at his dick. Ha ha. It's funny. Um, and then they then they start making out. And as they walk out, we see the Jimmy Walker monster and one of the CIA guys who's still around. Um, the CIA, CIA guy says, I got a job for you. And the Jimmy Walker monster says, Dynamite. This is great. It was a little lame, but honestly, I kind of like they didn't. He didn't say it the way that he does in the show. He didn't say dynamite. Yeah. He just said dynamite. Yeah. And, I, and it kind of it kind of honestly. It kind of worked. Yeah, I thought it did too. Because it, it's yeah. not like he was saying it the whole time. Yeah, no, he never, he never, he didn't say it the entire movie. No. This was like the only time. It was so. an, it was kind of a nice little nugget that they just threw in at the end. Yes, it was. It was a good nugget. And the credits. And uh, yeah, like, oh my God. Yeah, we've actually talked a good bit more <laughs> longer than about the Giver than I thought. Yeah. Uh, let's go, let's go in. Do you mind if I, I'll go ahead and start. Okay. This is a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> and that, that, that was obvious from the start. Really, because I hadn't seen this one in so long, this movie is way worse than I even remembered. <laughs> I remember liking this as a kid and I thought I remember it being like fun. And this was something that I was going to enjoy kind of like, oh, you know, I'll get more adult stuff out of it right now but because of a lot of the, the comical elements of it i thought it just was was much better for a kid than honestly for uh, an adult like if you have like a nine or ten year old kid with your that you're okay with hearing the word shit because they say it a couple times in this movie yeah they would probably laugh and enjoy this movie but you know once you get like you know into high school you're probably past enjoying this film yeah. unless you are the type of person that likes bad movies. Mm-hmm. There is a group out there who I think this movie is perfect for. For 
the cult classic-y kind of people who like Howard the Duck nowadays. Yeah. This movie is absolutely perfect for a bad movie night. Yeah. If, if you wanted to have some drinks and have people over and like Mystery Science Theater 3000, this movie, this is a perfect movie for that. And I think people could have a lot of fun with it. You know, I don't want to just mark this one off as a shitty movie because, yeah, it's a shitty movie. But because they try so hard with the comical elements and it misses... It still kind of makes you laugh, especially, you know, if you were, you were with friends or with a group or had some alcohol, you could probably be like, oh, my God, that was so fucking cringy. Ha ha ha. You know, watching it as trying to get like film aspects out of it, you're like, ugh, this is rough. But if you can flip that switch and you can kind of like, you know, watch it in that kind of mentality, mm-hmm. I think you might find some uh, some enjoyment out of the film. If you were a kid when you watched this movie and you had actual fondness for it and you remember thinking it was a decent movie, just stay the fuck away from it and don't <laughs> ever watch it again because it's god awful. But if you were the kind of person who wants to have friends over, wants to do bad movie night, then fucking watch it, man. Maybe it's worth the $18 on Amazon to go buy it or whatever it is, you know, or maybe just take, you know, tell me, I'll send you mine because I don't really want it in my collection. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that both of us now own this piece of trash in our, in our DVD collections. <laughs> but, you know, if anyone wants to have a bad movie night, come on over I'll put it on, and that's probably the only time I'll watch this movie is in that aspect with a lot of whiskey beside me. (laughs) (laughs) Right, as I mentioned before, I was surprised at how much I actually remembered once I started watching the movie. I kind of remembered it being bad when Mm, I was mm -hmm. a kid, probably because I was a little bit older when I watched it. Yeah, 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 you could But, I mean, I still remember a fondness for it because I thought a lot of the parts, some of the elements I thought were really fun. And I think the elements that I thought were fun are the good parts of the movie, which are mostly the characters, the the yeah, the, the look, the the look of stuff. the characters, the look of the Guyver really is pretty badass. It is, man. And they could they could redo. And, and honestly, I might maybe I should try watching an episode or two of the anime because I bet the anime that they eventually did mm-hmm. would this this is perfect for that. Yeah, maybe it was better suited for something like that. I kind of have that bad nostalgia that you're talking about, like. I mm-hmm. I would watch this again just to watch the bad movie. Just what? Yeah, yeah. So I still I still kind of have a fondness for it, a, a nostalgia, and maybe it's just maybe it's the memory of the experience of watching it. You know, all of us watching this sort of thing happen together. Then my fondness for the actual movie itself. I actually ended up at the end of the movie. Sometimes in some of these movies we watch, like I can't get to the end fast enough. Or when it yeah, when the end yeah. happens, I'm I'm like mentally ex- exhausted from just the shit I had to put it through. <laughs> but this one, I got to the end and I was like, eh, it was kind of fun. I enjoyed the visuals of some of the stuff. Okay. So, uh, okay. N- would not really recommend it for anyone who's never seen it. Um, there, are, if you if you want a monster movie, there are much better monster movies out there than this one. And to me, it was just it, again, it's just the nostalgia of it. Not really final thoughts, but that's what I'm giving you. <laughs> and I say buy a handle of whiskey, man, and just go to town. <laughs> grab some friends and, you know, laugh laugh it up. Yuck it up on this one. <laughs> Why a handle? Get a barrel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and now it's time for Mask. The 80s cartoon that ran from 1985 to 86, there were 75 episodes, two seasons, 
Uh, MASK is an acronym for Mobile Armored Strike Command. I absolutely hate that acronym because command is not spelled with a K. I I hate it when they do that. And honestly, I see that a lot around. I've just recently moved to Georgia. And, you know, when we were kids, we remember... We, we went to a daycare called Country Corner with K's as opposed to C's. Yeah. And I actually see that I see that a lot out here. They swapped the C's to the K's, and I don't know why, and I don't like it, and I think it's really <laughs> dumb. Uh, so anyway, Mobile Armored Strike Command or, or Mask, um, this show stars Doug Stone, who played multiple characters. He played the main guy, Matt Tracker. He played Hondo McLean, Dusty Hayes, Bruce Sato. Uh, Doug Stone has done tons of voice work, lots of anime actually, but nothing really that I could pick him out from. Brent, Brendan McCain is another name. He did Miles Mayhem, the main villain of the, of the show, uh, and he also did the voice of Alex Sector. Brendan McCain has also not done, or has done really not much else, so nothing that I recognized. Mark Holleran did the voices for Sly Rax, Buddy Hawks, Cliff Dagger, Ace Reich, um, and Mark Holleran has done absolutely nothing else. This was his only credit on, on IMDb. <laughs> uh, Sharon Noble did the voice of the mass computer. Did uh, any of the females, both Gloria Baker and Vanessa Warfield, who is the female villain. Uh, she hasn't really done much else. And uh, Brennan Thick did the voice of Scott Tracker, who was the kid... Uh, and he was the the son of Matt Tracker. Um, he only had two credits on IMDb, but his other credit was one that I actually recognized. He did the voice of Dennis in Dennis the Menace oh, from the 80s. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so he, he has two credits, so two solid 80s cartoons there. Yeah. Uh, and then he had nothing else. There was one other voice I wanted to call out. He was only in seventy five, or he was only in ten of the seventy five episodes, uh, and he played characters called like Lester Sludge and Ali Bombay. Um, his name is Brian George. Uh, you might recognize him maybe from Big Bang Theory. He plays Cuther Polly's father. Yeah. Uh, he's done he's done lots of voice work, but I remember him as Babu Bot in Seinfeld. Yeah. Very <laughs> bad man. You are a very bad man. That guy. <laughs> Um, he to me he's yeah he's uh, he stands out yeah um, so I kind of I like but he is honestly he's the only name or person that I recognized in this entire show yeah exactly um, like many many shows from the eighties this cartoon was based on action figures yeah the mask action figures came out first and then this show was created just to try and sell the toys really and that seems kind of obvious from watching it now yeah uh, that's just, well it's you know. it's kind of a it kind of has a, a GI Joe flavor in that they. They have all different kinds of characters, especially, and I know we haven't really talked into it, but, you know, each mission requires different specialists, kind of like G.I. Joe did. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it was a way for them having various different characters so they could make more toys and sell more toys. Exactly. Each, yeah, each character had their own thing, and each character had their own special vehicle that they would drive. And so, like, you know... So that would be t- that's like two times the toys for each person. You know, you got to buy the person, then you got to buy their fucking vehicle right. and all this kind of stuff. So I mean, that very very um, GI Joe esque, and I do get that. It was kind of almost a mix of GI Joe and Transformers. Yeah, uh, this show was. I bet I bet it was kind of pitched like that when it first came out. I would bet. Yeah, <laughs> the Mask Team. You know, they are a special task force, and they're led by Matt Matt Tracker, um, and they kind of they, they operate these vehicles, and and they they transform, but they don't transform in the way that Transformers do or even, like, Voltron does into, like, combining into, like, one thing or, like, becoming, like, a humanoid robot kind of stuff where the other ones do. 
um, they just transform into other vehicles. Right. It goes from a car to a flying car, or a car to a boat, or a car to a submarine, or whatever. Motorcycle to a helicopter. Motorcycle to a helicopter. And I thought that was kind of lame. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, let's actually, let's go back. I... I wasn't a huge mask guy when I was a kid. Right. You know, this was 85, 86. And, you know, it was in some syndication, but, you know, I was born in 85. This, you know, wasn't my show. This mask is definitely your show in my head of like, you know, when we, when we separate them out. Oh, this was totally my show. Um, I loved this show. It didn't show too much in syndication because I remember, I remember loving this show. Yeah. And then it Basically, it went away because back then we didn't have the internet. Even when we started having the internet, this sort of thing didn't show up. Honestly, I thought I would never see this show again. Mm-hmm. And then the sort of the sort of the retro renaissance happened. Started, I'd say it started about ten years ago. Yeah, that's when they started releasing DVDs of some of the old TV shows and stuff like that. That back when that when this sort of retro thing was starting to become popular, I actually own the entire series on DVD. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished it yet because okay. I only watched, you know, certain episodes. And even for this, I only just kind of watched a few episodes. I just kind of switched around a few episodes to get a, a, a better feel of something because I haven't finished all of them yet. Because I'm the only one in my household who enjoys watching this show. I was going <laughs> to ask you, like, this seems like you should be showing it to, you know, your, your son and even your daughter. Well, I haven't had a chance. The thing is, actually, I haven't had a chance to show it to my son yet. Okay. So uh, he, he has asked me about it. I just haven't had a chance just because the only times I've had available to watch them or when I'm by myself, or late when they're already in bed. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, I'm sure eventually, you'll, I'm sure you'll be excited to to share that moment. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> with them, he knows the theme song already, so that's a plus. That is a plus. And let's let's just go ahead and talk about the theme song because one, we've actually talked about it before. Yes. If you listen to our top ten '80s cartoon theme songs, both of us had this pretty high on our list. I think I had it as my number four or something like that. Yeah. And you pick this as your number one 80s cartoon theme song of all time. love this theme song it's fun it kind of it tells you i what i love about it is it it's a fun song and it still tells you about what the show is about so mm-hmm. you can listen to it and get the gist of what is going on if you if you yeah, actually listen yeah. to the lyrics to me i rarely listen to the lyrics just because like the beat is really cool it moves really well you know it is a it is a fantastic theme song uh it was written by levy and saban we've talked mm-hmm. about them multiple times yeah uh, they did you know mostly maybe most well known for for the mighty Morphin power rangers but they they also did, did he-man and and um uh, she-ra and tons of stuff yeah 
music wise. So I mean, they were they were kings of eighties theme songs and eighties music. Yeah, that theme song for me um, is is the best part <laughs> of the show. And they had uh, so they the whole thing was called mask, and they had these super powered, I guess, super powered masks. But the masks didn't really do anything. They just put on the masks, and then it was like really the stuff was their their transforming vehicles. So like I wonder why it was called mask. Every so often they would do something with the mask. One of them had the ability to phase. Oh, okay. So they could go through it, but the mask was what created that. It wasn't the vehicle. Okay. One of them had the like had like it was sort of like almost telekinesis. But it seemed like mm-hmm. it seemed like they didn't use the masks as much. I only watched two episodes. Um, and honestly, it was a struggle to hit play on the second episode for me. <laughs> I didn't care for it. But like, I was just like, well, they're putting on the masks just to kind of like drive in these cars. Like, why do they need to do that? So yeah, so maybe they didn't use it all that much. But okay, I'm glad to hear that they did have some actual superpoweredness to them. Yeah, I don't remember seeing all of the masks have something. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember one of them um, could create like a holographic projection. Okay. So they use that to to describe. So the mask did have a purpose and a power, but most of the time they didn't show it. I, maybe about half the episodes I saw, the mask was utilized. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I ended up watching the first episode, which maybe did have that holographic projection. I can't remember. And then I watched one from like way later just to kind of see how it was like. And yeah, a couple things that bothered me was I didn't like the kid. I did <laughs> not care for Scott. I knew and, you wouldn't. Yeah. But guess what? I hated more than Scott. The robot. The fucking robot. <laughs> God damn it. That robot was so awful. His name was like, oh, was it T-Bot or T-Bob? T-Bob. That was it. Yeah. I fucking hated him. I hate all of those shitty <laughs> guys like the Orcos, the Snarfs, right. the all of those. They're the worst. The, they're the worst fucking characters. Yep. And T-Bob in this one is exactly that. Like, I don't need the fucking kid. You know, even, even as a kid, I don't need a kid to relate to. Right. You know, like... You know, even 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 with uh, like Thundercats, I don't care about Wily Kit and Wily Cat because they're kids. Like I care about Lino because he's fucking awesome, right? Or Panthro or whatever. I don't need to relate to the children and to to see a children to to enjoy a show. And the way that these '80s shows always added a fucking kid with also an annoying character. Right. I don't. I <laughs> God. God fucking damn it. That pissed me off. It just made me not enjoy the show. <laughs> the main villain criminal empire uh, was called Venom, which, you know, you have to have a cool mac- acronym right. to, to combat mask. Uh, and that stood for Vicious Evil Network of Mayhem, uh, <laughs> which poor writing is when your evil characters know they're evil yeah. and they're evil just to be evil. Like that's just weak sauce. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm so happy that we've realized that and changed that. And cause now you get very dynamic, interesting characters yeah. and interesting villains, you know, like a Thanos out there who's not evil uh, in his mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's evil to the majority of society, but he thinks he's doing, he thinks he's saving society. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. You know, even, even when you go back to Hitler, um, and you tie him in with, you know, like like a Thanos kind of mentality. Hitler thought he was saving humanity by doing some evil fucking shit. Yeah. That's why he has become the greatest villain in all of history. Yeah. Really. And that's why we can't that's why we kind of have written so many interesting stories based on World War II and with that storyline, because he is an interesting villain. You definitely sure shit don't take his side, but he thinks he is doing the right thing. Right. And that's why it, it's why it makes, I don't know, 
I don't want to humanize Hitler because that's sure as shit not it, but like, right. it, it does it, it does give him a more human element as opposed to just being like I'm evil to be evil. Right. It's just cheesy. But at the same time, you get some of those classic '80s villains like like a Mumra or like a um, Skeletor. Skele- exactly. Skeletor was thinking uh, that kind of thing. But I just don't I don't like it all that much, you know, as an adult. Yeah, it's it's lesser. Yeah, I want to talk about the animation. I do not think the animation holds up. Uh, it's pretty weak. It, it looks fairly like the, they used the G.I. Joe animators, right. but paid them less money. So they had to half ass <laughs> it. And that's that's how we got mask. I still felt it was better animation than He-Man. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. I, He-Man had a very low frame rate. Yeah, and that's what that's what pissed me off. Like they just they just held on the same animation, and it just didn't it didn't it wasn't a smoother animation. There was more. I'd say there was there's a higher frame rate on this show, and so that helped. But I think the actual character design and look wasn't as good, probably. Okay. Uh, I also don't think that the vehicles looked all that cool to me, <laughs> uh, and so like I mean, I'm looking at this with fairly fresh eyes. You know, yeah. I just didn't really really watch it, and so like I look at something like Transformers. Or Voltron, and I look at them, and I'm just like, those things still look pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Where the cars, you know, all of a sudden, okay, this car has to go into the water. It just sprouts out some, like, a little motor or whatever. Right. And a little, you know, hull or something, and it starts going. Eh, that's not that cool. And they're just, like, <laughs> shoots out wings. Like, I wanted them to transform a little bit more. Right. Well, that's probably why this show doesn't have the staying power that Transformers had. Yeah, very possible. And why it was only around for two seasons, so. I also felt the show just moved very slowly. I felt it was paced pretty slowly uh-huh. of, the sh- of the episodes I watched, and I thought the voice acting was also pretty fucking weak, <laughs> as well as the music was pretty fucking weak. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I just laid it out on the table, like, yeah. those are my thoughts. I, this To me, this was a shitty G.I. Joe ripoff, and I, and I didn't even really like G.I. Joe when we went over that. Right. <laughs> so, I didn't really enjoy Mask, and uh, I, I would watch a whole bucket full of G.I. Joe before I'd ever <laughs> go back to Mask. Yeah, anyway, all right, those, those are my thoughts. Let's, maybe we can end on a higher note, because you have nostalgia for the show, so please, you know, maybe let's, let's pull it back. I do have nostalgia for the show. I enjoy it. I love it. I love the characters. I love the vehicles. Um, I enjoy this show more than G.I. Joe. I never really liked G.I. Joe. I did like this show when I was a kid. And yes, the nostalgia plays a huge part in that. I guess this is sort of, this has turned into a John's nostalgia episode. Yeah, yeah. Horrible, horrible things uh. from the from the 80s and 90s that John <laughs> loved when he was a kid. Yeah. One thing we can agree on is the fucking, the theme song is almost perfect. It, it really is kind of like a perfect 80s theme song. Yeah. And so we can at least have that, and I would I would listen to that on repeat, and I really have kind of even like put it into my like my rotation, and I really enjoy it. So mm. at least there's that. There is something cool about that. The villain was uh, Miles Mayhem was not a cool villain either. I, I, I he wasn't fun enough. Well, he was an old white guy. <laughs> he, he's an old white guy, a fat an old fat white guy who just I don't know wasn't all that good, but whatever. You know what? The theme song, John. The theme song, we'll agree, was fucking awesome. Yes. So, at least there's that. Okay. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Power Wheels. Power Wheels Raider. Power Wheels High Rider. Power Wheels Classic Convertible. Each sold separately. All battery powered with real motors. And it's own power motor. Power wheels, 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 power wheels
parents assemble them easily, then off you go over the hills, around the trees. Oh, oh, Power Wheels, oh, oh, Power Wheels, Power Wheels, Power Wheels, Power Wheels, Power Wheels, classic convertible, Raider, and High Rider, all run on rechargeable batteries, each sold separately. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show, and as we mentioned before, we are going to be casting a mask movie. There are a lot of characters in masks, so we kind of had to narrow it down. I probably could have narrowed it down even further than I did, but we have a fairly big list. We've got about 10 characters that we're going to do. So we're going to do uh, Matt Tracker, who was our lead, Scott Tracker, his son, Bruce Sato, who drove Rhino, who which we didn't really talk about. Rhino was the um, semi-truck. Brad Turner, who um, I believe was the motorcycle, who rode the motorcycle who that turned into a helicopter. Uh, Hondo McLean who drove just kind of like a like a jeep. Some of them were pretty a couple of them were pretty just generic looking vehicles. So, I mean the the three that I I immediately remembered were the Camaro, the semi truck and the motorcycle. Those were the three that I immediately and then Venom's jet/helicopter. Yeah. The ones that the Mayhem had. Uh Hondo McLean, Dusty Hayes, who rode Gator? Yeah, I mean, he was like the southern guy. He had a very like almost like a Texasy kind of accent yeah. that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Gloria Baker, who was the only woman in Mask, she didn't have her own vehicle. She she always ended up riding with someone, but she had a really cool looking mask. She did. She had a cool looking mask. Yeah, I would. I mean, she deserves her own. She yeah. She uh, definitely vehicle. deserves her own vehicle. Um, <laughs> and in and in this, we're gonna try and like I think probably fix some of the some of the shit yeah. on this show. Which yeah yeah you know eighties all it has to be all dudes and yeah. mostly white people. Uh, yeah, so lots of change a few things. Uh, and that, those are going to be our mask characters. And then I picked three from Venom. Obviously, you got to have Miles Mayhem. One of his main uh, henchmen was a guy named Cliff Dagger. Yeah. Kind of like a strong guy. Strong yeah, guy. He's kind of like a, he was kinda, a, yeah. you know, the strong, uh, dumb, strong guy. He had a he had a mm-hmm. eye patch and it's like an eye patch and a beret or something. Yes. <laughs> something like that. And then in later episodes... He had a woman named Vanessa Warfield who kind of was like the de facto second in command of Venom. And I mean, this was obviously this is the early 80s. There were not a lot of women in this. So I wanted to get yeah. some women in this to vary it up because I mean, we, yeah. we don't need a, a cast of 10 white guys. Yep. Uh, although, to be fair, kind of this de facto second in command for Mask was Sato, who was Asian. Yes. Um, the only thing, and we didn't really talk about this. The only thing I didn't like about him was he—he he was very—he talked in sort of Confucianisms, so it uh, was very—it uh. <laughs> was very racist, essentially. Which is funny because I believe the character is supposed to be when I at least like looked it up on Wikipedia. The character is supposed to be Japanese American, yeah, and Confucius is definitely Chinese. Nothing to do with Japan, and like you know. 80s, 80s writers just like, eh, whatever, it's all the same. Yeah. Just fucking speaking that shit. And it's like, uh, uh-oh, that's not good. Yeah. So uh, those are the characters we're going to do. Adam, do you have a particular order you want to? No, I mean, we should probably end with Matt Tracker and then maybe um, maybe have Miles Mayhem, our, 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 vi- our main villain and main two guys be the worst, but whatever. All right, so let's, uh, let's knock out probably the three lesser known unimportant masked people. Okay. One. So we'll start with uh Dusty Hayes. Dusty Hayes. Who I think was also he was a, a scuba specialist. That was his his thing mm-hmm. was underwater. That would make sense if his you know, if he drove gator. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and start. I kind of actually went away from the the Texan accent. Mm-hmm. I mean I guess you kinda of have it. And I actually, I kind of just went with someone who I thought would fit with the rest of the cast that I picked. 
more so because in my opinion you can change some of these characters up and it really won't make a difference as long as you keep the big few of them the same or close to the original mm -hmm. some of the minor characters you could change up honestly you could change his name and I wouldn't really care just for someone who I thought could add a little bit of humor to the cast that I had picked because actually in my head this is going to be like an action film yeah yeah me too for sure um the way the way I cast it it's going to be an action film and I wanted a little bit of humor so for my Dusty Hayes I actually picked Michael Pena oh okay I like that uh, I would I would love to see him Maybe do a Texas accent. It'd <laughs> be kind of funny. I, or, it, yeah. it could work, too. It could, it could totally work. Great actor. Him being a comedic side guy, obviously, as he's been fantastic in Ant-Man. I like that call. I think, and I do kind of like the idea. I didn't really do someone who would be a good comedic addition, which you do kind of need for, you know, doing a, a strong action movie. Mm -hmm. Having like one of like the lesser guys be just like add some comedic elements to it is a good call. And so I, you know what? I, I think that's a really good, good choice. Okay. Who'd you go with? Uh, I went with a lesser known actor. Uh, so again, very similar. I wanted action. I kind of mostly went with a more serious action kind of movie for this one that I that I want to try and reach out for and so I went with an actor who has done action with uh when when he was in Zero Dark, Dark 30 uh he's also plays a firefighter in the drama Chicago Fire and actually he was a an actor who was in a show that I worked on uh, it was um, a a, a Hulu web series show that I worked on when I was working in LA mm -hmm. a show called Dating Rules for My Future Self I was the assistant editor on that his name is Taylor Kinney uh, and and I, I kind of like stuck to, you know, I think he could, you know, he'll do like a Texas accent, that kind of guy. You might recognize him, you know, you might not. He's not a huge name. And I kind of went with a non-huge name for this side kind of character. So Taylor Kinney is my choice. Okay. I, I don't really recognize him, but uh, I mean, mm -hmm. good looking dude. Yeah. Good looking dude. So. Okay. Good looking dude. Good looking dude. That's the best I got because I don't I don't really know That's his fine. work. All right. So we have next we'll have uh, Hondo McLean who drove Firecracker. Who was and Hondo was a, a school teacher, wasn't he? Yes. He was like a, it was like a high school gym teacher or something like that. Okay. 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 Also, the I, as far as I know, as I could tell, the only the only he was the only black guy in Mask. So. Yeah. So why don't you? We'll kind of we'll change it up for each sure. one. So why don't you go first on this one? So, yeah, I, I, when I re looked up his uh, specialty, I kind of think I saw that he was like maybe a strategy guy. And I think that's kind of tied into with uh, uh, him being a teacher. Uh, and so I kind of wanted I wanted an actor who could portray a lot of intelligence and also just a strong actor. So I went with uh, a guy who is really good actor. And I really am going to butcher his name and I feel bad. Uh, the name is Chiwetel Chiwetel E.J. Will Four. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to have to figure out how to pronounce yeah. it. He was in 12, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. And he's doing the voice of Scar in The Lion King, uh, the live action, the quote unquote live action. It's all CGI, yeah. the CGI Lion yeah. King that's coming out. So he's got a really good voice. And so you know he could do a good voice behind that mask. And he definitely has the presence of a uh, strong actor of intelligence yeah. and that, that I think he would be a, a good call for my Hondo. Okay. No, I, I like that. I loved him and uh, he was in Dr. Strange as mm -hmm. well. Yes. Yes. He, he was. Played the, yeah. He played um, Baron Mordo. Mordo. Yeah. He played Mordo. Um, I really loved him in the Martian. Uh, he played yes, one of the yes, NASA guys. Exactly. He was great in that movie. 
I think that's, I mean, that, that's a great choice, especially for these kind of little known characters, adding that sort of yeah. credibility, they could take the character and maybe do something with them. Um, I kind of went slightly in a different direction. I went with a kind of a bigger guy because I saw a gym teacher. So I think, oh, he's got to be like an athlete. So like yeah, that. Yeah. And I have cast this guy once before, like way back in like our second or third episode. And I don't think I've used him again since, uh, but I think he'd be a good fit here. Uh, I went with Mike Coulter. Who played Luke Cage? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck. We need him more. We need. We lost him as Luke Cage. Yeah. Because fuck you, Netflix. We need more Mike Coulter. Like yeah. that guy. He needs to become a star. Yeah. Like fuck. <laughs> like yeah. Even I. I might almost like turn him down from this role and try and get him into a starring role. I just. <laughs> I really, really want more more Mike Coulter. So, but anything. Anyway, just to get him more in my view. Fucking good call, John. Okay. Great call. Okay. Cool. I'm glad you like that one. I like I like my culture, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then uh, let's go ahead and do Brad Turner, who who drove Condor, which was the motorcycle that turned into a helicopter. I'll jump in with this one. Uh, this one, I actually just kind of threw in a guy. You know, I mean, in the cartoon, it wasn't all that dynamic. You, you can Good writers can take a bland character and, and make something out of it, and good actors can do the same thing. This guy, I've really enjoyed watching him for the past, I don't know how many years on Game of Thrones. I don't know. Can't, like 10 years, close to 10 years, feels like. Mm-hmm. And he's he doesn't play a major character, but his character has grown so much that people love his character now, even though he's kind of a side character and not really, you know, he's not one of the main ones. I think this would be a good, fun way of, of branching him into something new, more action-y. Even though he's gotten to see some action lately, since he's been paired up with Brienne of Tarth, I went with Daniel Portman, who plays Podrick Payne. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is... Definitely turned into a little badass yeah. in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he is cool. Uh, yeah, he, and he'd be a good kind of, you know, he's not a huge name, but he could be a fun side kind of guy to give you some extra, I, I don't know, extra credibility and just a good, yeah, I want to see more of him. So yeah, that's cool. I like that. I like that choice. Okay. And his, yeah, his, seeing his growth has actually been a lot of fun. Yeah. He's almost like right now, I mean, shit, the guy's become a really good fighter. We also know he's really good in bed. Like this dude, pod, and he can sing, and he can fucking sing. Yeah. We heard that as well. Yeah. Like this guy's got it all. If 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 Podrick Payne isn't the guy who uh, is sitting on the Iron Throne by the end, I'm gonna be a little disappointed. <laughs> I mean, obviously we're airing this before, or we're recording this before uh, the the end of the show. So who right. knows? He may die off. He may not. But uh, <laughs> he's 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 got it all right now. Yep. Uh, all right, who'd you go with? Yeah, uh, I went with an actor who really I just kind of want to see more of. You can, like, to me, Brad Turner. This character is, um, you know, I don't know. There's, I don't. There's not enough to him that makes me want to uh, cast a specific person. I could have. You could go a lot of different routes. Uh, so I went with an actor I want to see more. He's really hot right now because he played his father in Straight Outta Compton, and he absolutely killed it. Uh, he's been also in Den of Thieves, and he's been in, being in a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, so obviously he played Ice Cube. His dad is Ice Cube. I went with O'Shea Jackson Jr. Okay. He's doing some really good stuff right now, and so I want to see him in more stuff. So uh, so I, I went with him. Isn't he in that new uh, Seth Rogen movie with Seth Rogen and uh, Charlize Theron? Yes, he is. He kind of plays Seth Rogen's buddy or whatever. Yep. Which I first saw that, I was like, really? O'Shea Jackson Jr. as like, like, a, like the comedy like best friend guy yeah but it looks like it 
I mean, it looks like it could be funny. I'm probably not going to go see it in the theater just because. No, I mean, it looks like like standard Seth Rogen, you know, comedy stuff, which is fine. Like maybe I'll watch it once when it's uh, you know out on streaming or something like that. But I was I, I actually was more impressed. I was like, good for him for kind of branching out into that exactly. sort of thing. He's going to have range. Yeah. I mean, he obviously did some good dramas. He's also going to be in the the upcoming Godzilla movie. Okay. Which did you see the trailer for that movie, John? Yeah, I've seen it. I thought the trailer was fucking awesome. It's going to be, I think it's going to be hard to live up to the trailer. Right. Because that trailer was really fucking good. (laughs) I mean, it looks like, it looks like a classic, you know, Godzilla monster movie. So. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, I kind of want to say, I'm not a big Godzilla fan. Yeah, I'm not either. I don't give a fuck about Godzilla, but that trailer I thought was so badass. I'm, I'm very likely going to go watch it. I did go see. Did you see the first Godzilla movie? The old, old, old one. No, no, the no. Japanese the one, one? That, this is this, the one that's coming out as a sequel to the one oh, they, to the Brian the Cranston, Cranston one. one. Oh, uh, I think I saw parts of it, but okay. not. I didn't. I really didn't see it. Is it any good? It was. It was sort of like middle of the road. Like I walked out of it going, eh, it was fun. Okay. It, you know, it, it didn't. It wasn't earth shattering or anything like that. It wasn't horrible. I mean, it wasn't like the the Matthew Broderick yeah. one from like <laughs> Godzilla two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was sort of like middle of the road. I kind of walked out of there being like, eh, it was, it was an entertaining two hours, but I got nothing really out of it. So I don't know why I didn't realize it was a sequel. I thought this was like just another restart of the Godzilla franchise. No, I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be a sequel to that one. Okay. Well then maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch that one first then. I probably should. Okay. So let's do the only woman in mask, Gloria Baker. Uh, why don't you start us off? Sure. Uh, so you need somebody who can, you know, really have a lot of action, who can hold their own. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I think you need, you know, maybe not a huge name, but you need someone who has shown that that she can be an actress and, and kind of like lead a show or lead a movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I went with an actress who I, I don't believe I've cast before, but I like her quite a bit. And she's definitely done some action. And I'd love to see her kind of continue that route uh she's best known as uh quake in agents of shield i went with chloe bennett okay yeah i think it's, it's not it's not a big deviation from shit she's already done right you know super powered kind of actiony stuff but i think i think this would be a maybe a good transition to get her into more film yeah uh so yeah I, i'd like to see her. no that's a good call i would totally see her as a in that role and i mm-hmm. we gotta find a way to get uh glory baker her own vehicle someone's got to design yeah, that yes That'd be cool. Absolutely. I see. I it, see in my mind with the her mask, like it needs to be like a motorcycle or something like that. Yeah, you want you want to see her because that mask and her suit just is the, one of the best looking ones. And so yeah, yeah. you got to get her um, more and more visible. So yeah, yeah. she needs to be. I, I agree. A motorcycle is a, is a good call. So I went actually went with an actress who really isn't known for action. I wanted somebody to I think vary vary the cast and compliment compliment the cast and uh, bring some flavor. To it, so uh, mm-hmm. I actually, and she, she's obviously, like I mentioned, she's not known for action, but she's a good actress. Uh, she's best, probably best known for being the mom in Fresh Off the Boat, and she was in Crazy Rich Asians. I went with uh, Constance Wu. Oh yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she's being a lot of stuff right now. I think she's solid. She was someone I actually was considering for this role as well. Uh, okay, I, that's that's kind of funny. Yeah, she's she's pretty she's getting pretty big right now, and so I think that's a good that's a good choice. Yeah, could add a name to everything else yeah i, I don't know I, yeah definitely. i think i got some fairly decent names in my, in my cast so yeah yeah you do yeah i mean i i definitely like the michael Payne one he's <laughs> he'll add he'd add a lot of elements yeah all right so let's uh let's jump over to venom uh we did uh the girl of masks so we'll do the girl of venom uh vanessa warfield mm-hmm. uh adam why don't you start us off yes i will 
this is maybe one of my more favorite castings of the entire episode for me, my own of my own personal cast. <laughs> Vanessa Warfield is kind of like an espionage agent. She's kind of like I don't know, very think very Black Widow esque, and that's kind of what I had in my mind. But I didn't I didn't go with Scarlett Johansson, but I did go someone from the MCU. Huh. Uh, I went with someone who I want to see more of. Uh, she is an utter badass. And what in, in my movie, Vanessa Warfield would be a badass. She would be very spy, Black Widow fighter. Yeah. You're going to see her kick some real ass. And of the entire MCU, this character might be the most badass. Might be. Maybe not. There's a lot of good female badassery in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, this one might be the most. Especially if you also watched The Walking Dead as Michonne. Ah. I went with... Danae Guerrera, I, I'm sure I butchered that, but she is so fucking good in Black Panther uh, and, you know, uh, the Avenger, recent Avengers movies and obviously very good in Walking Dead. She's also a really good actress in her own right. Yeah. But she's so badass and she's been like the hero, but she's been like a like an intimidating hero yeah. where you're like in both of the in both Michonne and um, as her character in the MCU. She is someone that is very honorable and and a very good person, but she's also someone you don't want to fuck with. Right. <laughs> and you're like, you can she is so intimidating that I think she would make a good villain. Yeah. And so I I want I want to see her do it. So that's where I've got her. I like that. I like that a lot. Cool. Yeah, it would be interesting to see her as a I don't want to say evil cuz as you as you mentioned earlier, Good evil characters are not evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah, I think they should change. They should change the name from Venom, or keep it as Venom, but change the acronym. It's no longer vicious. Yeah, evil, whatever. Right. Let's be something different. So I just kind of went with someone who I thought had a good look for it, sort of an evil espionage spy. Um, she's not. I mean, she's done a few things. A couple of things. You probably best know her from the movie Sin City, where she played the character Goldie. Uh, and I went with the actress named Jamie King. She was also in My Bloody Valentine. She was in Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen her around. She she looks like um, Jamie Presley to me, actually. She she bit. does kind of have that same sort of facial. And, and even like Margot Robbie. If you put if you put like a younger Jamie Presley or pre, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. And then Jamie King, and then Margot Robbie, and then like you know mix them all up. Can you tell who's who? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's just me being ignorant, uh, but you know, a little bit, but probably, but you know, Hey, I like her. She's got, uh, she's got definitely the credits to do some action stuff. And yeah, with between like, you know, the horror and action of my bloody Valentine and Sin City and, and Pearl Harbor as well. So yeah, cool. I approve. I like, I like mine better. Not going to lie, but I think yours is cool. I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, I like yours better too. Okay. Mine is much more of a kind of a straightforward casting. Sure. But I, I sure. But you know. I lo- it's not a bad casting. It's not a bad casting, no. John. It's just it's just that yours is better. Yeah, mine's better. I fucking won, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go. Uh, let's go over to back over to mask, and we'll do Bruce Sato, who was kind of the second in command in the show. He's actually a toy maker, and so he's actually a mechanical uh, and structural engineer. Hmm. Okay, and that was kind of his his thing. I'll jump in with mine. Um, I uh, not that I had a hard time finding one but I wanted to find like the who I thought might might be the right guy. I also wanted to try and find someone I hadn't used already. Yeah. So I think I I settled on someone I like he's a little bit younger, but I think that's okay. I mean, like as compared to some of the other guys in my cast. Actually, he's probably older than Daniel Portman, so we'll give him that. But he was recently 
he was a very small part, but he was recently in Shazam, and he was. Did you see Shazam? I no, it's on. It's on my queue. I mean, not my queue, but I, I I will need to watch it. Only be, I was waiting for the reviews because I don't give a fuck about Shazam. <laughs> um, so. I really just don't. But I heard some really good reviews that, you know, it's a fun, fun. That's exactly what I was going to say. Fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. There's some some heart in it. It has some issues. I think the issues that it has are are small. I mean, if you want to nitpick it, you can find things. But overall, I really enjoyed it. It it has some kind of some sort of monstery horror elements in it as well. I actually walked out of there smiling, enjoying the movie. So okay. yeah, um, so I, I'll try. I'll, I'll try and get to it. Okay, so I actually picked someone who makes an appearance. I won't say what he does is kind of a spoiler. Okay, but I actually went with the actor Ross Butler. Okay, I don't recognize him. Uh, I've never seen Riverdale, which he's apparently been in. I've never seen Thirteen Reasons Why. I've never seen Shazam. So uh, he's got a good look for it. I have no idea about his acting ability, but I will trust you on this, Joe. Okay. Yeah, I, I, he is, he's a little bit on the other side. You know, obviously he's in Riverdale, so he's, he's a good-looking guy because he's in Riverdale. Yeah. I mean, he's, but he's 29, and that's, I think that's, that's totally fine yeah. so. for this role. All right, who'd you go with? All right, good choice. Uh, I went with a, an actor who is a little bit older, um, especially I, someone who is going to be the second-in-command, um, as Sato is. I went with an actor who's not a... Well, he's not a super well-known actor, but he's a good actor in his own right. He is a good actor, or decent decent actor in his, in one of the shittiest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and we actually talked about how shitty this movie was on the Dynamic Duel podcast with Marvelous Joe and uh, Johnny DC. We talked uh, X-Men uh, Origins Wolverine mm-hmm. and just how bad that movie was. This actor, his name is Daniel Henney. He played Agent Zero, which actually Agent Zero wasn't the worst part of that movie, which is good. <laughs> Um, I mean, there was a lot of bad parts about that movie. I didn't have too many issues with the actor himself. Uh, he, Daniel Henney has also been in Criminal Minds for quite a bit of of, of shows as well. Okay. So, you know, he knows how to act. He knows how to, like, you know, do some of this stuff. Uh, so, anyway, I think he would be a good second in command. Okay. That's what yeah. I, I like that choice. I think I think mm-hmm. our choices are probably about equal. And that yeah, one, I think probably. yours is a little bit older, mine's a little bit younger. So, however, whichever way you want to go, exactly. However, and however, like the producers want to, like you know, if they want to try and get that Riverdale, uh, you know, the yeah. younger <laughs> kid money in, yeah. or if they, you know, want to try and do an older. I mean, yeah, I agree. They're, you know, no, no, no clear winner. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Cliff Dagger, who is the muscle. It's a good for- name. It's a good name, Cliff Dagger. Well, they have names like May, you know, it's Miles Mayhem, Cliff Dagger, Vanessa yeah. Warfield. So it's all, all, yeah. all very dusty uh, haze, you know. Oh, it's a dusty haze that we have going on right <laughs> now. I mean, all that, all that works. So, uh, Adam, why don't you start us off with this? Yeah, I, I like my guy. I didn't go with a big name. He's definitely not a big name, but I think he's got a really good look to him. Um, you know, he already, and it's probably the bald head of Cliff Dagger that made me think of this guy. <laughs> um, and he was a he was a good scary villain for his short time on Game of Thrones, and I think you know. I think he was pretty tall, pretty big, and, you know, he could probably buff up a little bit to be kind of more of the muscle of Cliff Dagger. But Mm -hmm. in general, he was pretty intimidating as it was. Uh, I went with a guy named Yuri Kolokolonikov. Let me say that again. Yuri Kolokolonikov. Yeah. And... You probably best recognize him as the Magnar of Thens, the main villain Then guy. You know when they had that short time where Jon Snow was with the uh, with the Wildlings and they had the Thens come over. Okay. And there was that one most scary Then who kind of like him 
and uh, Tormund kind of like butted heads. Oh yeah. If you, if you saw his picture, you you know as the thin, you would be like, oh yeah, that guy was fucking creepy. Oh yeah, and scary. yeah, he had like like scars all over his face and stuff. Yes, yeah, and they were cannibals and they ate other people and it was kind of a creepy character. But he was he was intimidating, and so I think he could be a good right hand man uh, as a, as a scary person. So that's who I went with. Okay, that totally works. That was cool. That was kind of in an unexpected direction that I thought you were gonna go. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically just went for the muscle. Okay. Um, you like you like them big muscular boys. Yeah, that's all right. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I pick someone who actually probably wouldn't give a lot of lines to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's much more. He, he honestly he kind of looks like the guy from the cartoon. So which is kind of why I picked him. Um, he has he has done some uh, a little bit of acting. He's he was in a few of the uh, Expendables movie. If that says anything about the direction I'm going. I think I think I have an idea of who you're going with then. Maybe I kind of went with a lesser known uh, actor from there or one of the guys because uh-huh. he's he's known as a fighter. He's a UFC fighter. Um, I actually went with Randy Couture. Yeah, you stuck to the bald head. Yeah. It was the bald head that immediately kind of made me think. Oh, I bet once you said Expendables, it's got to be Randy Couture. Yeah, so that's who I <laughs> so, went with for that. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean he's got a good body. He's a good fighter. He could add some fun fighting elements as Cliff Dagger as well. Yeah, I've seen all the Expendable movies. I wouldn't say Randy Couture's acting <laughs> is strong, but if you use him the way you said, where you just need to be intimidating and fight, and you don't need to talk all that much, right. then it's probably a good call. Kind of like, uh, to me, I would use him the way that they used the security guard in The Running Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You don't need much. (laughs) You didn't really talk. He had like one line the whole movie. He was just mostly there to be intimidating. So I think if you, or maybe, uh, um, oh God, what was her name? The girl from Deadpool. Yeah, Gina Carano. Yeah, she, I mean, she had a few more lines than that in, in Deadpool, but mostly she was just there to look intimidating and fight. Yeah. And that's what she did. And that's pretty much what I would use him for in, in this case. Yeah, cool. So I think he would be successful. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So uh, the one I know you've been looking forward to the most, <laughs> let's go to <laughs> Scott Tracker. Uh, I can tell you right fucking now, if we were going to cast a T-Bob I would just say no fucking no. That move, that is, character is not in my goddamn movie. And that's why I didn't put him up there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and Scott Tracker is the next, you know, most annoying character. <laughs> but I'm trying to make mine less pathetic uh, and, and more interesting, which Scott Tracker wasn't pathetic. You know, he was apparently like a smart little kid and shit like that. I do want to have a badass. Okay. My actor here is someone who definitely plays a badass in the show that she's on. Ah. And, yeah, I'm not having a Scott Tracker. I'm having a Scottita Tracker <laughs> or whatever, whatever. Sally Tracker or whatever yeah. the fuck you want. I don't know what I care the name. Um, I went with, I'm going with someone who I want to see her in more stuff, and I'm sure she is kind of getting into a lot more shows down the line, uh, but she is very badass as Eleven in Stranger Things. Okay. So I went with Millie Bobby Brown. I think she she could try and help, and she could kind of, you know, add, I don't add to the validity of this movie. Right. Honestly, I I would watch her and not be as annoyed at her doing stuff as I was uh, the the cartoons Scott Tracker. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. she she is so Millie she, Millie Bobby she Brown. is going to be in the new Godzilla movie. Ah, so okay, I'm going with multiple Godzilla people. There you go. That's right. Uh, I like that. I like the change. Um, she works for uh, having a younger kid mm-hmm. in this sort of this whole storyline. And and I'm sure you could add some really good sort of father-daughter dynamic stuff yeah. between her and, and Matt Tracker. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I wanted cool. to do. Cool, I like that. I actually went in a completely different direction. 
Mm, um, okay. I, I did go with a boy, but I went with an older boy. In my mask story, uh, Scott is sort of like on the verge of manhood. He's on the verge of mm-hmm. turning into what he's going to become. And maybe he's just fresh out of college and he's yeah. joining mask yeah. for the first time. And yeah. Or just like, or yeah, he's like probably in one of his military, he just got through military school or whatever. And then he just got pulled into the mask unit or some shit like that. Yeah. That because his father, because his, you know, because his father runs it, yeah. something like that. Cause I, I wanted that sort of like father, son on the verge of manhood story that I could, I could, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that's not the main story. Maybe it's just a small element of it, but I wanted to be able to that. And that kid is just so damn annoying. I, I did. I didn't want a little kid. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't. <laughs> no. okay. I didn't. Fair um, enough. So I actually went with an, an actor who's a he's a little lesser known. Um, he's he's done a, just a couple of uh, smaller things. Uh, he was in a movie called To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Uh, he was on a show called The Fosters. Uh, his name is Noah Centineo or Centineo, Centineo. I'm I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. Um, he's got a good look. He's a young guy. He could do some action. He's probably, like I said, the character itself is not going to play a huge part in my story unless unless whoever okay. writes it comes up with a really good way of connecting the two. Uh, yeah, he definitely has the look. You know, he, he's that exact, he can play that perfect age range of, uh, yeah, going into like trying to get to Manhood. Yeah, that's a, that's a good interesting call. And just looking at his credits, funny enough, it says they're in a pre-production of a new Masters of the Universe, and it credits him as He-Man. Ah, right now. Okay, he might be our upcoming He-Man. Interesting. No, I, I'm. I have never seen any of his stuff, uh, but he has definitely got a, a look for the type of of character you're going for. Okay, so cool. All right, all right. So now we got our big two: our Miles Mayhem and our Matt mm-hmm. Tracker. Let's do Miles Mayhem first. I'm gonna jump in. I actually really like my Miles Mayhem. He's an older guy. Miles Mayhem's an older guy. He's not somebody you see as a as a like the action villain, which mm-hmm. you know is why he's got Cliff Dagger and Vanessa Warfield because they're you know he's got his his muscle in Dagger and he's got uh you know a spy sort of with mm-hmm. with Vanessa, but you need someone who's that mastermind and who can be evil when they need to be. And I needed some I needed a couple people to add some gravitas to this cast. Yeah, yeah. And I think this guy can do it, especially as the villain. I cast Brian Cox as Miles Mayhem. Mm. He kind of he does kind of look like the Miles. He uh, he does have a similar look, but it was that wasn't really the deciding factor in it. It was, you know, who is an older guy who who is who still seems like he's a badass even as an older gentleman. Yeah, he's a I mean, he's a killer actor. You know, he was a good villain, really good villain in X2 as William Stryker. Obviously the best, still probably the best X-Men movie uh, that they've had. And yeah, he was a a big part of that. You know, he's funny as, uh, but he's still intimidating as the captain in Super Troopers, (laughs) which is kind of fun. He was less, well, the whole movie, Troy, isn't a great movie, but he was, uh, he was Agamemnon, and he, but he was intimidating, and I could see, particularly as that character, that and William Stryker can see how he could be a good, older, villainous Miles Mayhem, who, Miles Mayhem, who would need Cliff Dagger. Yeah. And Vince War. I think that's cool. I mean, I, I really, really appreciate Brian Cox. I think that's a really good call. Really strong call, actually. May, probably better than my choice. So. <gasps> Alright. Yeah, I'm... I'm I don't like saying that because I do like 
my call. Yeah. I, my guy is not uh, as old as Brian Cox, which is fine. Yeah, he's definitely, he's actually probably more of, no, he's, he's a little bit older than who I picked for my Matt Tracker. He is a, I think he could play a good evil mind. And I particularly liked him as the villain in Rogue One. And so I kind of want to see him do more villain stuff. His name is Ben Mendelsohn, mm-hmm. and I think he's a really strong actor. I really, really, really liked him in Rogue One. So I kind of want to see more of that continued act, that kind of style as uh, as my Miles Mayhem. Okay. Yeah, I like that. All right. Uh, our lead guy, Matt Tracker. Uh, Adam, why don't you lead us off? Sure. Uh, I This was the first person I cast. Uh, this is an actor who I think is someone who's poised to become... A, a, an upcoming like you know action star partly because you know he had a chance he was almost our captain america and he could have been a pretty good captain america now granted i don't chris evans was is a perfect captain america i love him mm-hmm. um but but my guy is playing jack ryan in a show right now and so he's getting you know some good action stuff with him he was pretty fucking awesome in A Quiet Place. Uh, and we know he's funny in The Office, but like I'm trying to pull on more of his action side stuff. And, you know, uh, since he wasn't the all-American leader in Captain America, um, I think I want him to be my kind of all-American leader as Matt Tracker. I went with John Krasinski. That is an interesting call and not one I mm-hmm. probably would have even considered. Well, I mean, he's do- he's doing much more action stuff. And I think yeah. he is kind of like has a good leader aspect to him particularly with some of the jack ryan uh shows that he's doing so i i, I think i think yeah i like okay it. no that's an interesting call okay. um i went for a kind of an not an old matt tracker but an more experienced matt tracker because i wanted somebody who yeah, felt like, like a leader and it fits it fits with your scott tracker yeah. you know stuff too i'm not really sure how you're gonna feel about my choice because I had a, not a hard time, but I, it took me a little bit to kind of figure out who I wanted for Scott Tracker or for not Scott Tracker for Matt Tracker. But I settled on this guy just because he is a action film workhorse. He's known for his his work ethic. He's for whatever you think of some of his movies, he is a good actor, and he's created some of the most like. You know, he's been in some of the most iconic movies of our childhood and he's still going today. And I, I don't, I don't even know how old he is. He might be 83 for all I know, but he definitely doesn't look it. I went Tom Cruise. Ah, no, he definitely doesn't look that old. But I mean, he's going to be the big name to draw people in for this. (sighs) I, I, I don't immediately hate it. Okay. You were prepping me to be, I was ready to shit on whatever the hell you were saying. I was ready to just go fucking... Ham on this. I, I went Sylvester like, Stallone. Yeah, I, I thought you, I thought you were I literally the way you were saying some stuff. I was like, if he says fucking Stallone or Schwarzenegger, <laughs> I don't think that's a good call. But I'm on the cuff with Cruz. I don't, I don't hate this as much. It's particularly, I would love for your movie. I'd kind of would love to see yes him be a leader, but then kind of try to see your Scott Tracker take some of that leadership and kind of like see how he grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how I'm feeling right now, John. <laughs> I I don't I don't hate it, and I would love I, I would particularly like to see, you know, because they still they they young up Tom Cruise quite a bit, you know. They obviously dies. I'd like to see him with some of his like gray hairs and stuff right. in this movie. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate okay. it. I'm gonna leave it at that, John. Okay. I, I, I I'm I think it I think it fits your style. Okay. And I don't hate it. And I do think I do think it's interesting. Yeah. I mean. 
some of these huge names like Schwarzenegger and Stallone. I mean, granted, they're much older now and even with Cruz, but we haven't even like come close to casting them. And this is like the first of kind of like in that group that we've cast. Yeah. Hell, I, I haven't I haven't watched any of the Mission Impossibles since like Mission Impossible 2, but I've heard every single one of them since then has still been like fucking awesome film. I saw, um, I I haven't seen the most recent one, but I mm-hmm. saw, I think I saw Ghost Protocol and the one before uh-huh. it, and they are solid action films and fun. Yeah. And, and, and I have friends who like loved like the Jack, Jack Reacher ones too. So, I mean, he is still doing good stuff. Yeah. And so I, th- I think that probably works. I, I don't know why I want to not like it, but I, I don't dislike Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, g- you know what? <laughs> oh, thanks. Slow clap, John. Slow clap. I, I, I was surprised by it, but I approve. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it when I can okay. get it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I, I do not, I do not give out my slow claps very often. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, <laughs> that was our casting of Mask. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. Together, John and I count down our top 10 favorite Disney animated movies of the 20th century. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.